Hit Mix 107.5 FM The Power Station with Colin Curtis
seven minutes after seven o'clock. I mean, it's eight minutes after seven o'clock, actually. What, what would normally happen here on on a Sunday when I do the jazz show is if eight minutes in, we wouldn't have even finished the first track. <laughs> and we've just played three tracks in eight minutes. That's a, a new world record for me, I tell you. <laughs> Kicking off with uh, Timmy Willis and Mr. Soul Satisfaction, a record, of course, that um, went huge at the torch and it was actually played before the all-nighters and then uh, continued to be successful, fading away the longer the all-nighters went uh, with that kind of style, that twisted wheel style. And then we went on to uh, Bobby Patterson, My Baby's Coming Back to Me, uh, Played at the same time, really, Blackpool Mecca and The Torch, because I mean, that was a big, huge record in the Highland Room for Tony Jeb. And um, so was the one we've just finished on, the uh, incredible Don Lee Richardson, You Got Me in the Palm of Your Hand. I know nowadays a lot of the collectors and uh, my old mate, Mr. Oxbury, um, I've learned my lesson. Oh, yeah. Killer, killer crossover. There you go. Killer, killer, killer. Mm. Um, but if I'd have played I'd learned my lesson at The Torch, that would have been the end of my set. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't work like that back yeah, then, unfortunately. Yeah, um, too much adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as people have got older, the, you know, those styles have changed. I'm Colin Curtis. It's Friday night. It's, uh, as I say, almost ten minutes after eight o'clock. We've got some chat room. I'll show you in a second. But uh, welcome along to my guest tonight, uh, Chris Anderton. Welcome to you, sir. Welcome. Thank you, Colin. And you did very well tonight in getting here. I found it. I mean, Dave was a bit slow, wasn't he? Yeah, Dave, I saw him driving down, down the, the road. Bank. Yeah. He doesn't like it when it's dark. <laughs> but he's, he's done all the cycling. He's done enough cycling and driving. Um, um, to keep him in, in, in a career for the rest of his life, anyway. But uh, great to have you here. So uh, let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back to what got you into soul music and where are we? What year are we? Well, we're talking um, uh, 1980, something like that. The Mod Revival, I guess, um, it was kind of my first awareness of music. I remember watching Top of the Pops in the 70s and things when I was seven, you know. But um, I'll be sort of... 11 in 1980, 1980. So I remember things like the uh, two-tone stuff, the jam selector, and then on the back of that came the Motown stuff, the Four Tops, Temptations, um, and that really hit me when I heard that stuff. That was a different level. Um, and so where, where were we hearing this stuff? Radio? You were yeah, radio. Um, a couple of mates bought records. We go to youth club. I'm really in a fortunate position because a friend of mine, uh, Carl, his mum was a youth leader. So okay. we go to youth club, well, our youth club on a Friday, but then she would also work at two other youth clubs. So three nights a week we were out, and <laughs> and and the music was played. You know, mod revival. There was a few older lads there. They were playing Motown. No Northern Soul at this time. Just just Motown really. And uh, so so connected. Where, where were you living at this time? I know but, you were born in York. Yeah, I was uh, born in York, but I only lived there for six months. Okay. Um, but um, uh, uh, Burton on Trent. Burton on Trent, okay. Trent. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, wow, Burton on Trent. I mean, of course, we go back to the torch again, and uh, Alan Day, who was yeah, an absolute yeah. character. Um, yeah, Keith and myself did the first two all nighters on our own okay. um, for ten quid each. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'll get the rest of it when I did the torch revival this year. But Alan Day, of course, this huge character with this long leather coat, uh, you, long hair like me, um, and and just absolutely wonderful. But that was one of, I think Warrington was the first place that I played outside of Stoke Contract with Brian Ray. But uh, I also did was it the seventy two Sem- or the seventy six club? Seventy six club, club, yeah, yeah. Um, and the decks were up on top of what looked like a bunk bed. Right, okay. In, the, in those days, you had, to, you had to climb this ladder and get onto the oh, deck. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, uh, later on, when I was, you know, going out and about 17, 18, that club, the 76, was still a club. It's called Javs. But it was it bore no, no resemblance to the 76. I think it had been done out and yeah, yeah. remodeled and what have you a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, it was, but, it was uh, pretty basic, I have to say, when yeah, we, you know, we yeah, went down Yeah, it was down a pretty, pretty rough club, and it was Javs, to be honest. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's a legendary club. I mean, and they have some live acts on there, loads of live acts, sort of T-Rex and people like that have played yeah, there. Yeah, coming you know, through, yeah. Yeah, travelling through. So, yeah, um, well, so was the torch. I mean, a lot, a lot of clubs back at that time, uh, late 60s, early 70s, um, very much relied on the fact that, you know, there was a live act coming on. DJs weren't really talked about in <laughs> the way they are today. No, no. Um, you know, a DJ was was, was just an added extra, fill you know, just yeah. to fill in. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, so, you're in York and you're listening... Um, no, coming coming. Hitting soul music then, and I've heard this story many, many times, hitting soul music um, connected with the mod revival in this in this yeah. particular case. So Just, um, it, it was that revival in the 80s that, that got people to realise just what fantastic soul music there was. Exactly. And my dad, um, my dad was a wheel. My dad went to the wheel. Okay. Uh, but not when it was the... Um, the, the, the Northern Nights. He went a little bit earlier than that, so sort of 67. So, Brazenow Street went. then, yeah. So, yeah. Before it went to Whitworth Street. Yeah. So, uh, um, so he, he saw the kinks there and various live acts, but he was into soul music, so... We that, had, that's um, what it was. I, I mean, it was it was Roger Eagles coming over from Liverpool, who, who Roger... Um, who was, you know, booking all the acts as well. Roger was very much into the blues, very much into R&B. He was the one starting to bring in all, you know, the Muddy Waters style, yeah. all, all that uh, underground R&B. And, of course, in this country, I mean, the, the bands that were doing the circuit were the Kinks and mm. uh, later the Small Faces, people like that. And, and uh, you know, a lot of those acts played at the Torch as well. I mean, I spent uh, 30 minutes talking to Christine Perfect from Chicken Shack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, back in those days, yeah. that, that would be a Wednesday and... and you know, at the weekend uh, before that, we may have had Arnes and Charlie Fox. You know, yeah, I mean, well. not, or Oscar Tony Junior. It was, it, it was that mishmash. Yeah. So you yeah. picked picked and chose where you want. So let's get off with some music, and we'll come back to to where you were. Okay. But uh, we're going to kick off with the man himself. Oh! 
or whether they heard them yesterday. The quality of what came out of Motown back then is just absolutely incredible. Oh. I mean, I mean yeah, you know, all, all the vocalists there, whether it's Duffin, whether it's you know, Levi Stubbs, just incredible, incredible music. So, we're in the early 80s and you're just going out and hearing these records. When do you start to buy the records? Yeah, and where about, did you get your money from? About the same time. Um, I had a paper round, so I got a bit of money from that. Thanks, Colin. Um, and... Uh, yeah, you know, we were just going to local discos, school discos, that sort of thing, um, buying the odd record, uh, record shop in Burton, R Records it was called. Original Oracle, yeah, 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 the, the original Oracle, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, I knew that guy very, very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and he worked uh, Hector, of course, Hector from Selector. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he worked there, and I think they they again they booked me to go and play at the Bell. Oh right, uh, in, in Derby. In Derby, the old yeah, Bell, yeah. yeah. That was yeah, That's the old Bell. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, yeah, it was during the Mecca years. Yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. times. Yeah. So so, uh, so so that was the first record I bought. Um, the first soul record I ever bought was uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Tears of a Clown. That's why I played that. Okay. The, um, and now you've got a white demo, so you can show. I've off. got a white demo now, so I'm I'm, I'm big time now. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the white demo I bought at the time; it was the older uh, TMG. Uh, but um, the, the Four Tops record, um, I, I was just saying about my dad. He was an old mod, and uh, we had records in the house, '60s pop, uh, and a lot of soul. And a massive influence on me during that time was the Four Tops. He just yeah. had Four Tops greatest hits, and I play it and play it and play it, and every single track, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just fabulous. But also, um, mo mo most people had that and the Temptations because they were available in the uh, in the Grattan catalogue, <laughs> and you could pay you know ten pence a week, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, <laughs> probably slightly. 
certainly less than that back then. <laughs> but I mean, that would that you know, funnily enough, was you know a lot of people's access to LPs. Yeah. Because you didn't see a, a lot of the latest albums in the shops, and certainly imported albums. Um, very rare uh, on the ground in the UK at that yeah. particular time. I, mean, I remember uh, talking with Dave Goldin and also talking with. Um, David Nathan, um, you know, they would send off an order album, so it takes six weeks <laughs> to come, wow. you know, and then if, if one or two people had ordered them, they come in and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you've got to wait, you know, the same routine, sending it off in the post, and yeah, just craziness, but um, obviously that's completely different now, and we've got discogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we've ended up with, yeah. But, so, um, so, so you're in the youth clubs, you've been to our records, you've started collecting records, so d uh, when did you become a fanatic? The, well, the first thing I was really into was um, again one of my dad's LPs, Otis Redding, the yep. Greatest Hits, yep. the double LP. The one that it's a, a red cover. Everyone's seen it with his face made out of yeah. newspaper. Yep. Just loved, just loved it. You know, absolutely loved it. And um, you know, poured over the sleeve notes and the tracks. And and, and, and you know, what gets me about Otis Redding, such a fabulous artist. But if you hear him now, it's it's you know on the radio too. And after the news, we're going to play his track by Otis Redding. Well, it's nine out of ten. It's going to be Dock of the Bay. The other, the other one out of ten, it's going to be Try a Little Tenderness. That's but there's right. all this stuff. That's right. You know, and, and uh, cigarettes and coffee just to just blow me away. Sophisticated record. In its, in its own right, but... They were, I mean, Otis, Otis Redding and Carla Thomas at that time were, were, were majorly sophisticated, but I don't I don't think that uh, that was picked up, you know, through UK radio at that particular no. time. They'd take advantage of trying to... Uh, I noticed someone in the chat room, I'll, uh, I'll shout your name in a minute, but yeah, it said that uh, the Smokey Robinson, you know, almost hit the top ten in the US. Well, uh, it, it, it probably did hit the top ten yeah. in the UK. I mean, that... I think it was that, number that, one, That, that was the mixture. I mean, even back at the torch, the, the all-nighters... Um, you know, things had changed, but in, in those early days, I mean, if, if Marvin Gaye, whatever, I'll lay my hat with, these records were coming out, they were played straight away, mm. you know, alongside, you know, what was becoming an underground, uh, yeah, rare yeah. soul scene, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, 68 in particular, where you got Let's Copper Groove, you've got Dance to the Music, Slander Family Stone, you got all these records, you know, coming out on President and UK labels, um, that really pushed forward. So, I mean, you were almost having that same effect in the 80s where the mod scene is bringing people you know into touch with with, with 60s records i'm through your dad as well obviously. yeah 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 it was a strange situation but um you know and i think a lot of people got into the northern soul you know maybe maybe older people got straight into northern soul because they were old enough to go to gigs i was 11 12 I've always wrestled with that term because I don't I don't know when it became relevant. I know I know you know Dave got in. I've had many conversations with Dave when he was alive uh, about that, and uh, it was just a term that he used for the people, the kids who, who went down to London from the north, and they were asking for faster records in the shop, and, and he said you know that that they for the if the kids come in from the north, if they've been to watch football, and they go in the record shop, or, um, and 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 that was it. He, he never actually use that term no, in, no. In, in that in that way but obviously yeah I, I mean it was an underground music scene it was it was a scene you got involved in through choice because um, your regular Saturday night was was beer drinks and a fight you know mm. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I think I think people who, who connected through the music and connected you know this family that's grown up in the UK yeah. on the different soul scenes over the years was very much driven um, by the, the belonging and 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 as you said to me off air earlier on, that connection with with people, uh, like-minded people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you are starting to collect 
Um, so how far are we off for you starting to DJ? Oh, a long way. We're, a long uh, way. Well, as I say, you know, in years, probably not that far, but... So all this time, let's, let's go from 1980 to, say, 1984, 85, are you still in Burton-on-Trent? Still in Burton-on-Trent, still at school. I was, I was um, you know, 13, 14, uh, still buying the odd record. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, to, to spend on records, but still buying the odd record. My mates would buy records, we'd share them, swap them. Um, they were kind of into it, looking back, kind of a superficial level. I was really into the, really into the music. Um, going going forward, a couple of years, started buying Kent LPs, Soul Source LPs. Um, one Friday night, I can remember, I was randomly, I got my granddad to give me an old radio, big old radio, and randomly, I was just tuned and playing with this radio on a Friday night, and I found Dave Everson's show on Signal. Oh my luck. <laughs> oh dear and uh, I thought, oh this is that soul music this is blessed. but he was playing obviously the stuff I knew the most yes. and the commercial Dave's done a fantastic job for, oh. for, for many 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 years and, and um, you know, coming back through and, and continuing to play I, I mean you know, by his own admission he's an oldest DJ um, but other people like to push the music forward too so the oldest <laughs> the oldest pile got bigger but yeah I, I mean what you've just described is, is, is the same as happened to me but when it happened to me when I was going through an old bush radio I was looking for the pirate stations yeah, yeah. you know because in, in, in those days Caroline and one or two others they were getting the uh, American releases uh, that would be sent out to the Air Force bases uh, and so you know they would get played on the pirates yeah, sure. whereas a lot of those releases wouldn't be played on eventually in 67 when Radio 1 kicked in um, you know because of all the, all the complications with copyright and licensing in the UK and the US but the pirates didn't care yeah, and yeah. so you know, lots. Of, you know, I mean, again, mentioned off air earlier on, Tony Blackburn and people like mm. that. You know, th they had got access to these records, and those records were definitely played on, uh, you know, on the radio. And a lot of Robert Parker, Barefooting, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of these records were kind of discovered by via the radio in those days. We'll continue uh, with some more music, and uh, I'll do the chat room. We'll do a little bit of chat room. Uh, we've got Tracy Newman. We've got Brian Pinchies. Oh, hi, Brian. Well, there, and uh, John Clement. John Clement. Yeah. Be coming on the show later on in the year, Jill Davison, uh, Kevin Ainsley. Okay. Um, you've got Rupert Burdass, Karen Windsor, Karen, uh, Karen Windsor. Yeah, and uh, what was her mother's name? Barbara, wasn't it? Yeah, we, I, you should be doing Carry On films, uh, Karen. Uh, Jill Davison, and um, we've got Kay Matthews Johnson. Hope you're all enjoying it. I mean, chip in anything you've got to say in the chat room, then we can pass on. Uh, Mick Rathbone's here. Mick Rathbone, of course, who runs the Pop Banks. Mm. And uh, he had a good time, didn't I? I enjoyed myself down there.
by my special guest Mr Chris Anderton and uh, we talk through them we kick off with the first one which which is a record a fantastic record but not a record that would have been played back in the day um, that was more love of course yeah and that was uh, taken from the first LP first solo LP ever bought which was Smokey Robinson it's uh, Tears of a Clown but it came out originally as must, I must, We Must Make It Happen or whatever yeah, yeah, it's called yeah. Uh, but yeah that was, I played that LP to death uh, absolutely fantastic! Not a bad track, and that's one that always stood out. Um, I mean, for me, this 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 is like a this is a parallel. What 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 you're describing, um, you know, what's going on around you, the way you've been affected by the music is is definitely a parallel to what had happened to me. But it had happened to me, obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, many years, years before. before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the influence uh, of Stax, you know, mm. which we've just done again. I mean, the influence of William Bell. I mean, what a fantastic record that is! Oh yeah. Yeah. Brian says it. Uh, Brian Pincher says it's the best version of Happy. Uh, <laughs> the other version, yeah, Velvet Hammond, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not not really a comparison there. But um, I was just saying off there with Brian as well. I mean, Private Number. I mean, when that when that first was released, I mean, another oh, yeah. iconic moment in soul music, without a doubt. And mm. um, we then moved on to a record that. Uh, very much a part of my life. Um, this and Sweet Sweet Loving by the Platters. Oh, uh, yeah. Me and Keith used to play at the Clough Hall uh, Youth Club in the oh, early really? days. Wow. And um, the, the record player, and it was only one record player, was, it, was in a cupboard behind the kitchen. And so we'd go in there and you put the record on and you've been cheating and then Keith would hit me on the back and say, go and see if anybody's dancing. So I had to come <laughs> around the kitchen, out into the floor to see if anybody was dancing and then go back and report back. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the impressions again. I, I mean, 
the, the, the iconic steps that, that we've all taken, that, you know, the, the, the steps that we've taken have been influenced by, you know, the, the same people, really, even though it happened mm. 10, 15, 20 years later and still happening to kids today. Um, Curtis Mayfield, you've been cheating. Fantastic music. So, we've got a paper round. We've done that. <laughs> we've, we've been to our records. Um, so, move us on a little bit. Okay, move you on a little bit. We, uh, I left school, uh, still... I started to earn money, got a job, um, started to buy records, but not so much 45s. I was buying more LPs, Kent LPs, Soul, Soul Supply. Started going to some events. Um, there was an event, it's really um, important uh, milestone for me, uh, Burton Town Hall. Burton Town Hall holds 500 people. It's yeah. a massive, big, yeah. gothic venue. Stained glass windows. It's a fabulous, one of the best venues I've ever, I've ever been to. And uh, there was two guys that ran it, two guys that worked at the brewery, Ian Watson and a uh, guy called Bino. And um, they ran this event. And I'm, I'm talking before everybody came back to it, before it was fashionable. I'm talking late, mid to late 80s, 500 people lock out every single wow. time. Northern Soul. And I don't just mean the, the top 500. I mean, yeah, it was it was oldies, but it was torch oldies. Ian Watson was a, a torch man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bino was a wheel man. Yeah. And it was them two all night. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, uh, uh, fabulous music, you know, oh, the records were just one after the other for us, you know, Firedales, James Bounty, um, Alex Patton, all these records, you know, and um, brilliant venue, uh, brilliant atmosphere, and that was a big, and I became really friendly with uh, Ian, Ian to some extent, but Bino, me and Bino became really close, you know, really good friends, and he was, he'd invite, he'd, he worked at the brewery, and he'd invite me, I'm, I'm on 210 this week, come round in the morning, yeah, what's your day off Wednesday? Right, come round Wednesday morning, we'd play some records, you know. Was, was that the brewery that, that Cause took over? And, uh, yeah, he worked, yeah. Uh, he worked at Anchor, there's, there's, there's a few breweries in Burton, there's a, Bass is the one that Cause took over. Yes, that's but right. But he worked yeah. at Ancoop. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but uh, it's funny because he was one of the few people whose job it was to test the beer, he had to taste the beer as part of his shift. That's essential. And uh, I think he overdid it. I think he took his work home because you'd see him. He'd go to work on a bike and I'd see him over the bridge sometimes on his bike wobbling, you know. With a bike uh, strapped on his back. Yeah, cracking, <laughs> cracking guy. And uh, when I started Bretby years later, he came and did the first spots at Bretby, the early spots. Yeah. Um, because even though he was into the wheel stuff, he was also into uh, new music as well and, you know, moving it on and, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, very much into that. So he'd play you know, be playing wheel stuff alongside things he'd just heard, so it was great. So, so we're talking what, what year are we talking now, 1980? Well, uh, yeah, 87, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and, I mean, Northern, as, as it was known, of course, took a massive dip um, at the end of the 70s, early 80s, and then, you know, Wigan disappeared, yeah. and then and you got this uh, chasm that appeared, and Stafford then appeared, and St. Yeah. Tides, and, you know, things followed on from that. Um, but, you know, going, going back to that period, so... Uh, that wasn't, as you say, that, that probably wasn't the, the the peak of the revival, was it? At no, that it was. Time? It was pre-revival. It was it was ten, fifteen years. Before. I mean, I always think the revival was about two thousand, late nineties, two thousand, when people started coming back. But um, no, this was like you know mid eight or late. Yeah, you know, if, if you parallel what, what what else was going on, I mean, I mean, sort of eighty eight. It's eighty eight, for instance. That was the beginning of the uh, Southport Weekenders. You know, that, oh, really? that, that was wow. happening um, originally in Berwick, um, and then the second one came down to Caligran in Fleetwood. And you still, at that point, you still had a northern room. You know, there was still a northern yeah. room uh, connected to it. I mean, that phased out o- o- over the next few years. So, just to parallel what's happening to you, is you, you, you know, you, you're getting onto a northern soul scene that, that, that many of us have 
yeah. have kind of moved on from her. A lot of people didn't move on, and quite right. Um, so, and, and and Burton on Trent, I mean, you know, to get 500 people in yeah. the venue every time. Burton on Trent. Sold out every time, and uh, just a brilliant atmosphere, great guys. I mean, I thought people were old. I was like 17, 18 going there. People must have been, oh, in the 30s, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they yeah, seemed yeah, very yeah. old to me. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, some of the, some I think, of the best I think, times. I think it was possibly the, the beginning of, of, of people coming back to it. I mean, that uh, that hiatus started probably in the early eighties. Uh, you know, a lot of people sold records, a lot of people got uh, yeah. uh, music moved on, went into jazz funk or whatever they wherever they went. Um, but then you know, the whole thing kind of moved on, um, and. Yeah, just rebuilt, and, and so you would have had, I mean, if those guys you, you're talking about went to the torch, so they would have been, you know, what, five, ten years older than you? No, no a, lot, a lot older than A that. lot older yeah, than Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they so, were sort so of mid to late 30s. Yeah. There you go, there yeah. you go. So, um, so there was other things I went to locally, uh, Burton Rugby Club and, and other things, and I also was still listening to Dave's show. Dave, I can't, I can't, uh, I want to do him an, an injustice, but the amount of um, influence Dave's show had on me, Dave Everson, I listened really? to it every, every week, taped it. You know, and I was hearing things on there that I'd never... You know, because it, it isn't like now, and I say I say this to people, you know, you you, you want to hear Northern Soul now, you just type it in YouTube and, you know, 50,000 yep. tunes come on, yep. you just flick there all... If you've got the time, you can listen to as much as you want. You, I couldn't find these. The, I couldn't the, even the radio shows, it. whether it was connected to Northern Soul or whether it was connected to National, I, I mean, still the most powerful radio show that's ever been in this in this country is Robbie Vincent on, on you know, yeah. on Radio 1. And and people would do the same thing you described. They would get the tape records and have it ready and, and yeah. you know, so, so, although Dave's playing oldies, if you've got no knowledge on yeah, the oldies, then, then <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're just hearing fantastic music, one yeah. after the other, because he is playing mainly established records, or previously established records, yeah, but brand new to someone else. And yeah, that, that kind of same parallel happened uh, you know, later on with hip-hop, with the Electro series of albums, with all that stuff that Morgan can't put out back then. Yeah. People use those albums, and if you think about it back now, when you look at some of the Northern Soul collectors, a lot of the goldmine CDs, people bought them and then the collectors <laughs> started to pick off re yeah. records that they wouldn't have had any clue or wouldn't have had access to previously. So now you've got this catalogue of information and, and you know, you can use that and people could buy records well, at I was a reasonable prices. Yeah, I was doing a similar thing when I started going to more venues um, with the Kent LPs. I'd be buying Kent LPs. Look at look them. I don't. Some of them weren't that great, but most of them were fabulous. Or so they got at least two or three tracks on, and you'd pick, pick it up, and it would say Northern Soul Dancers, and you go, "Well, I don't know any of them." And you get home, and you're wearing Richie Adams for the first there time, or Jackie Lee Dock. But, but there, there's there's your internet. Whether it was for Northern Soul, whether it's for electro hip hop, you know, there's always been a period street wave albums. Yeah. You know, a lot of these have got that information on for people who are just getting into it. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic way to do it. Amazing.
label American Soul Music but um, you know Discotech 66 series I mean Capitol Stateside fantastic labels I mean just looking in the chat room just for a second before we get back to Chris uh, Brian Pinches you're going to have to come on the show sir you are John Clement is coming on the show Mark Rathbone talking about um, you've been cheating memories of Harold Clouse's Bentley I used to DJ at Harold Clouse's Bentley and it was a little bit like the Blues Brothers used to have to get there early and fit the equipment up and then staple the chicken wire to the front of the stage to stop people getting at you. What a place that was. It was like a war zone. Um, Mark Whiteley, good evening to you, sir. And uh, somebody just asking about whether Dave's book is worth buying. Dave's book is absolutely worth buying. A lot of work gone into it. Uh, a lot of pages in there, a lot of information uh, about Dave's life as much as that. And I see another one of my previous guests, Mr. Andy Tats Taylor, uh, is now in the chat room. And also Mr. Mr. Carol Priestley, also known as John Corliss, uh, one of the multi-gender people that we have listening <laughs> each and every week um, and yeah Andy Tats will no doubt be eating something he normally is <laughs> um, three pieces of music there so we kicked off with remind me Daryl Banks we did Daryl Banks and tell me the story on that one that's the first record I played in my first ever DJ spot so that'll be 87 Burton Rugby Club a guy called Andy AD and Pete I've been trying to remember his name all day uh, I can't remember his second name but uh, Andy AD and Pete and they booked me for Burton Rugby Club, that was the first record I played, Daryl Banks. Wow, Burton Rugby Club. So where are we now, 1980? Yeah, 87, 88, 87, something 88, like that. Yeah. And I was buying more records. Uh, I started going to the yard, because I listened to Dave's show and he announced the all-nighters or the soul nights. And I was, yeah. you know, I didn't drive at the time. So I was going out to soul nights, all-nighters, because I could get there on the train and then come back in the morning, uh, come back in the morning on the train. 
uh, kind of, you know, with a, with a mate or sometimes even went on my own and just kind of saw this place, you know, Mexborough, all nighter, right, I'm going. <laughs> I just go and get on the train. So get to Dave, Dave was on back then. Would have been what signal radio was it? Yeah, signal. Yeah, yeah signal. Yeah. And you could pick that up in Burton on Trans. Just yeah, yeah. Just got it on a Friday night. Yeah. Then he moved to a Sunday night. But um, uh, yeah, wherever he moved, I was always listening. You know, I was t always taping. Uh, and I say I'm big on the Kent LPs, and I started buying more. Uh, you know, more singles. Then I was going to nighters and stuff. And obviously, record sales and picking things up, and you know, mainly sort of cheaper things and pressings and, and uh, you know, just buying them to listen to at home. But then, um, you know, I got asked to do this rugby club and <laughs> never looked back, really. I, th I got, a, got a bug for it. You, so. Yeah, you got the bug there. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't look back. I mean, you can't have enough records. We all know that now. No. After all these years, my mother thought there was a point where, where you could have enough records. <laughs> and, uh, explaining that to her was very difficult. So, we, we've, we're at the... Uh, We've gone past the youth clubs, we've now started to DJ, and uh, what about moving out of Burton-on-Trent? When did you start doing that? Um, well, I didn't drive, I didn't, I didn't pass my driving test, I was about 22, 23, so um, Stuart, my mate, he could drive, uh, but he wasn't always around, he was away at uni and that sort of thing, so um, if he was back, we'd go to some soul nights, or I remember a couple of times we got lifts, and we didn't even know we were going to get home, <laughs> and one such night, we, were, we got a lift to a place called the Meadows at Derby, and um, my dad took us, and God knows, I don't even know how th we thought we were going to get home, but it was only 10 miles away, we'd get home somehow. And uh, we got in there, and uh, Wayne's, uh, and uh, Stuart says, there's that guy from Burton, he'll give us a lift home. And there's a guy over there we recognised from the Soul Nights in Burton. Yeah. So we went over, got chatting to him, and sure enough, he says, oh, are you getting better? I said, well, we don't know yet, I'll give you a lift home, lads. Well, that was the worst thing he ever did, because <laughs> he became our driver every Friday and something oh, right, for the next, next 10 years. A uh, guy called Wayne, who's, um, you know, a dear friend and became like my big brother. So he was, uh, he's a big guy, everyone will recognise him, big guy, bald head, fabulous dancer and um, uh, he'd done, you know, casino and, and never stopped going, gone all the way through and um, yeah, he became, in, in many ways, just my big brother and he would take us everywhere and uh, everybody needs a driver. Dave knows that. Uh, everybody needs a driver. Yeah, no, he all, wasn't a driver. He wasn't the, just a driver. All the top luminaries uh, on on the soul scene, the modern soul scene. Dave has been uh, the chauffeur. Yeah, uh, on many occasions. But just going back to the records, I mean, we played the Fidels there, try a little harder. And of course, this is happening to you in the eighties. I mean, Fidels originally uh, again, Tony Jeb, Blackpool Mecca, Golden Torch, um, and records that will be played alongside that will be "I'm Satisfied with You," "The Glories," yeah. "I Wish Your Baby." You know, that kind of tempo yeah. was very much a part of, of, of what was going on at that time with the, you know, with that age group. Um, you know, lots of adrenaline and lots of other uh, chemical mixtures as well <laughs> that, that were available. And then we go for that period, stepping back again, which is reflecting uh, the influences you've already mentioned from, from uh, Burton on Trent Town Hall, and that's Alexander Patton, uh, yeah. which goes back to the Twisted Wheel. Yeah, that was a Beano record from there for me, yeah, from uh, um, Burton Town you know, An incredible record. I mean, I oh, mean that, really that, you know, at, at that time, I mean, the Torch and uh, the Mecca that I worked for in Newcastle on the line, they both had cases, and you'd go... Uh, to the record shop and you'd have to then come back write it in the book and stick a raffle ticket on it and put it in the cases and, and these things were in there these things were actually mailed out to some clubs wow. you know what people now five, six hundred a thousand yeah, pound yeah. demos wow. were, were mailed out I mean I got Dr Love Bobby Sheen you know turning up one morning with the, with the white label with the A on yeah. it, it it's uh, yeah I, I mean nobody knew 
at that time <laughs> what was going to develop. No. The same way nobody knew when they were selling up in, in, in the 80s. Nobody knew yeah, this remember, was going to come back. The biggest phenomena in the world yeah. is, uh, musically are seven-inch singles. Yeah, I remember John Anderson saying to me, he says, um, people say to me, I mean, you ever, don't, you, don't you wish you kept one of every record you've ever sold, John? And he said, we never thought they were going to be worth anything. He said, I bought them for 10 pence and sold them for a pound. Yeah. It's good business. Yeah. And, and, you know, he said, I never thought they were going to be worth £1,000, £500. No, like, much later, I mean, obviously he realised that, but in those, in those early days, no, because, I mean, it, it, some of the stuff he'd, he'd have boxed up, you know, maybe maybe two, three, four hundred copies, you know, yeah. and, and, and and then just slide them all out. And uh, as you said, he's paid 20 cents for them, so if he's making a pound or two pounds, that, that was, that was, that was big profit back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, it was good, good business. Good margin, yeah. and, and moving a lot each and every week. I mean, that magical day when the list dropped through your door, <laughs> yeah, and then you get on the phone to the usual response, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, Colm, that one's gone. <laughs>
After nine, okay, I'll keep doing the eight, nine minutes bit. That'll do for me. Um, three more fantastic choices from my guest tonight, Mr. Chris Anderton. So we'll talk through those. Let's start off with the artistics because another incredibly talented band and oh. albums again. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, with, with, with so much killer music on there, and um, of course, hope we have was a huge record back mm. then. You know, then, then we start of mine. Yeah. So you started off with Girl, Girl and Egypt. That's right. Yeah, that's that's one of my favourites of all time. Uh, reminds me of the Kent LPs when I was buying those uh, uh, Kent LPs. Yeah, yeah, well, well you, <laughs> you keep referring to the Kent LPs. I mean, what a fantastic job AD and other people have done mm. at Kent Records over the years. But that that was and 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 for many people, you know, still can be compilation LPs. I do them now on the jazz mm. scene, and I get you know similar kind of response where people. Look at look at the artists. Look at the and then go and looking for more music by those people. And and I think you know it was a fantastic way of learning. And I think you know the the Kent LPs were just an endless source. Uh, the compilations just an endless source. And then of course uh, they start digging out tracks that are unreleased. The Melbourne yeah. Hall came from nowhere. Mm. Um, yeah, just a fantastic job. So artistic to start with, fantastic, fantastic music. And then we moved on to a record that was brought back to this country by a man from the West Midlands, Mr. Graham War. Okay. Uh, from a trip to Miami. 
he then passed that information on to uh, Ian Levine. Uh, Graham said he was hoping to go back to Miami in two weeks, but he couldn't. <laughs> um, and and he gave Levine the address of the place oh, he'd okay. found these. And Levine went over and had his biggest hit ever. Four, over 4,000 singles he came back wow. with. And just absolutely everything that was anything at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but Graham Moore definitely. So that, we, that got its first spin at the catacombs. Wow. Okay. And that was then doled out to about five or six hours. He asked me to cover it up, but when I started to write the label, I couldn't spell epitome, so I just didn't cover it up. You know, I, how do you spell that? Epitome? Epitome? What is it? Yeah. You know? Well, I once heard a DJ up north say, uh, here we go, epitome of sound. The epitome of sound, <laughs> yes, yes. I think, I think that, that was one stolen from the Martin Barnpar, the book of pronunciations. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I wish Martin all the best. I know he's uh, got an operation and mm. uh, we'll be oh, covering. Yeah. Um, from the epitome of sound, we then went on to... Morrison and Radiance. And Baby, you've got it, yeah. Uh, chess, fabulous. Um, 60s dance record, sort of things that was played, uh, Burton Town Hall... Uh, back in those days, and well, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, even now, what fantastic, fantastic impression Chess Records made! Oh, and, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean you'll buy new releases back then. The Dells, Love is Blue, and of course, Dells Wear It on Our Face, which still gets mm -hmm. played. Um, you've got uh, More Love, that's what we need, Gospel Classic. Oh, you yeah. couldn't give that away as a new really? release, you know. I'd go get sent demos and sent, and, and you, here I have a copy, I don't want that, I don't <laughs> want that, but now. Just absolutely amazing records. Of course, the Dells were on on chess. I mean, Love Reputation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Another you know early Kirby. Northern record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Kirby. Well, again, that, you know, that, after champion Mr. Levine for that one. I mean, he really did give that some hammer, and yeah. uh, you know, eventually, uh, I think Richard Turling took it up at, uh, at Wigan, didn't he? Made it into a huge, huge record. Yeah, um, so we've got three. Let's tell me where you are now. Tell okay, me where so we are. Uh, late eighties. Uh, I'm going to uh, Soul Nights with. Uh, my mate Wayne and uh, occasionally Stuart and we were going Leicester, Birmingham, uh, Chesterfield, Mansfield, Nottingham, all these things, uh, mainly soul nights. Uh, we go to the odd all-nighter as well. And um, sometimes I just go to nights on my, on my own and um, people have said to me... Uh, That's very brave. Yeah, it was because it was a different scene then and, and everybody knew everybody. It was a real small scene. So, And, and I stood out because I was younger and I get people coming up to me, you know, where are you from? And, uh, uh, you know, find out a bit about you. And uh, when I said I was from Burton, they all said to me the same thing. Do you know Gilly? And I was like, no. You must know Gilly from Burton. No, I don't know him. So people were saying to Gilly on the other, you know, the next week when I wasn't there, I was the guy from Burton, a young lad from Burton coming. Do you know him? No, he didn't. And we didn't know. We kept missing each other. And uh, I was in the record bar at um, uh, an all-nighter once, and uh, Gilly came up and said, you're from Burton. And I said, you must be Gilly. And you know what? <laughs> we became, like, friends instantly. And we got chatting and we were talking. And, you know... I didn't know he's kind of standing on the scene, how I respected he was and all that sort of thing, you know. He was just a nice guy, and he says, uh, we were chatting, and I said something about table tennis. He said, I play table tennis, we'll go for a game next week. So we're, we booked the leisure centre. Yeah, a little, a little bird told me you play table tennis. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I've been there tonight, yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah I played yeah. on and off, but my lad plays now, so I'm there an awful lot more often these days. My okay. lad plays, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I met Gilly. And then he said he came into where I work, and he said, uh, "Do you want to come to an night with us next week at, at, at Stoke?" I said, "Yeah, okay." He says, "Right, give us your address. I'll pick you up at eight o'clock or seven o'clock, whatever it was." He came round with a case of records, like a massive case of records. He says, "Here, borrow them." So I just took them, put them upstairs. Well, when I came back the next day, I opened these records—the most amazing records, Carnival records, all these labels, 
there was things like George Lemon's Fascinating Girl, Melvin Davis, I Must Love You, the inspirations on Breakthrough, not the pink reissue thing, the proper, you know, all this stuff. And I was just like, God, this music's just blowing me away. It was a different, a lot of it was a different tempo to the traditional Northern, but and it was a lot of Detroit in there, you know, things on uh, the Falcons, on Big Wheel, and Betty LaVette, uh, Calla, um, Betty LaVette and Calla and stuff like that. Just absolutely blew me away, the soulfulness of it. A little bit slower. And I just taped every one, you know, I just like tapes. And I think I had those records for about five or six months. So just, yeah, yeah, have them, have them for another week, have them for another week. And he, he was just fantastic. And uh, we went for that game of table tennis and then uh, went back to his house afterwards. And he walked in his, and his wife then, uh, Lynn, she says, uh, oh, while you were out, a guy Enigan phoned and popcorn phone. Can you phone him back? And I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? He knows, but he doesn't know Guy Enigan. He knows Popcorn Wiley, you know. And uh, we became, you know, good friends and uh, he was a massive influence on me. And the next few records I'm going to play, or the records that I first uh, heard, either... Uh, been been loaned to me by Gilly or, or at that time. And uh, this is a Burton on Trent lad, yeah? Yes. Bur Burton Stroke Dog. Well, Willington he is, is from. He's between Burton and Dog. Where, where is he today? Where is he today? He's down in uh, Rushton in North Hans. Okay. Is he still connected oh, with yeah. himself? Oh, yeah. Keen, keen as ever. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think heroin and cocaine are the problem.
more fantastic choices from my guest tonight, Mr. Chris Anderton, here on the Colin Curtis Soul Series on a Friday. Hit Mix Radio 107.5 FM. Uh, well, we've gone now to two a month because next month um, I've got some chap who wrote in to me and <laughs> said, Carl, can you fix it for me to come on the radio? And I said, well, yeah, what's your name, son? He said, it's John Manship. I said, no, I've never heard of you, but we'll give it a go. <laughs> and so he's coming in next week, and um, will he be coming on the bus? Because I don't think he wants to drive anymore. I'm just going to shout a few more in chat. Uh, Gary Samways, and I'll also shout out, um, uh, thank you, Gary, and thank you, Karen, and everybody, uh, Dave Everson as well, everybody was involved uh, in the last few weeks of the life um, that we've just lost again. Mr. Neil Allen, um, or Nogger as he was known. Uh, details on the funeral, I will get to you, everybody as soon as I get them myself. Uh, good evening to Keith Beardmore and uh, Dave Everson's favourite record on Signal 1 at Christmas. Yes, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, so, <laughs> Gary Samway, good evening to you. Jill Davison, who's, who's still with us. Well done, Jill. Um, Brian Pinches, who doesn't drive um, and doesn't leave South Yorkshire very often. Well, maybe you maybe you can have a... Uh, yeah, let's get a taxi with the money you guys make and uh, get down here and it'd be a fantastic show, that would. Uh, Mark Whiteley... Um, John Clement McRathbone uh, said we're so lucky and stoked to have been able to come back on the thriving northern soul scene. Yes, well, the thriving northern soul scene, you know, from meeting Mr. Keith Minchell um, and, and also being influenced by the Twisted Wheel, I mean, right way back to 68, um, uh, 67, 68, and the soul scene has always been there in Stoke-on-Trent, um, underground or whatever. Good evening, Kev Oxbury. Um, uh, good evening to you, sir. Yes, it is the Music Factory, without a doubt, each and every time we get a guest in who comes up with some fantastic choices. Uh, Andy Tat's still hanging on in there. All good. So, let's go back to those records. I mean, massive, massive influence labels. I mean, we kicked off with Gold world as the debonairs and uh, how's your new love treating treating you so many fantastic records oh, on that label yeah just unbelievable ed wingate and uh, just absolutely amazing time so where did that come into your life uh, that was uh, in those records that gilly loaned me and um just again just blew me away the tempo the uh, in fact i found a youtube clip of them the other day uh, the debonair singing that few years ago wow um you know in the 90s or something you know fairly recently but yeah fabulous see so to, to drop on someone like gilly who, who's not just buying you know the records that are getting played that you know, the big tunes but also having stuff like that you know yeah to oh, be yeah. able to listen to well, well when, he, when he lent me those records i didn't know what was rare what was you know I mean, no oh, i like that one i like that one and a couple i'm going to play in a minute they're not rare, but so, they, so I, I remember we, we, from where that. are we when that happened? 1980? Yeah, 89, 89, 90, okay. 89, 90, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we had the Falcons on Big Wheel, I Can't Help It. Yeah, the other side gets played uh, now and again, but that's that, that was the side, you know, again, I didn't know what was the A side or the B side or the, the yeah, side you're so supposed you're making, to like. You're making just, your own decisions on what you yeah, like. Yeah, that's the side that did it for me. And then uh, Gene Toons, um, and at that time, or just after that, I was following um Gary, Gary saying this is a milestone record yeah um that reminds me of always reminds me of Carl Fortnum um okay. in those days I'd see Carl at the uh, Holy Cross Centre in uh, Leicester which was a soul night we used to go to regularly mm -hmm. and uh, things like Jock Mitchell Gene Toons um yeah you know, those, those Detroit things Jackie Beaver's I Must Love You and so on and so on they were Carl's sort of big spins of the day and uh, made a big influence on me 
So where, where do we go from there then? So we, we, we've, we've now hooked up with Gilly and you're starting to, to learn even more about yeah. that. You DJing, did that expand at that uh, time? Not at that time, no. No, only locally, only little things in Burton I was doing. Um, where it went after that really was um, we started, so you followed Carl Fortnum a little bit, obviously Butch at the time was and still is, you know, out there on his own. Uh, but there was a guy called Steve Smith uh, from Gloucester. There's a few yes, Steve Smiths, yeah, believe yeah. it or not. There are a few Steve Smiths, yeah. <laughs> but a Steve Smith from One Gloucester. One of them was a batting for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the rest of them collect Northern Soul records. <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve would, um, he's an old Stafford guy, and we would follow Steve, so he'd be DJing in the Midlands, and we'd say, oh, Steve Smith's on more go, Steve Smith's on more go. So, and, and he played real, the graveyard beat, he used to call it, real down-tempo stuff. Not, not what we call, not deep soul or anything, but just beat ballads. Yeah. And, um, well, they they'd crept in at Stafford as well, hadn't they? Yes. I, mean, I mean that that started yeah, you know, with, yeah. with Guy Hannigan and Butch, and you know the, the beat ballad thing had started. Yeah. So uh, we started following Steve, and uh, you know became friendly with him, and then we had a, a brother, myself and Stu, my old mate from school. We said, uh, let's start our own do, um, and said, but we'll play what we want to play, play the slow stuff instead of the, the up tempo stuff, you know. So uh, we we went to uh, a place called Bretby Country Club, which was a well known wedding venue in Burton. My sister got married there, actually. And uh, we went down there, said, you fancy doing a stone? I, oh, yeah, OK, we'll do that. So we booked it March the 13th, 1991, uh, Bretby Country Club. Um, and the DJ lineup was um, myself and Bino, um, a guy called Dave Ingle, who's got fabulous collections, dro totally dropped off the scene, but still got his records, and uh, Steve Smith. And... Uh, uh, so, at what, at what point did Dave Thorley uh, become involved in that? Was that, was that later? That, that was, was much later, yeah, was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, at that point, this is still pretty much a Northern Soul venue. Yeah, but we played a lot of this beat ballads, a lot of mid tempo yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I said earlier it was a completely different scene. Uh, you know, we, we put that on in Burton on Trent, and Burton on Trent's a really central place in, you know, within the Midlands. But we get people coming from Chesterfield, but you get four from Chesterfield. You get four from Birmingham, you get six from Leicester, you get mm -hmm. ten from Derby. Mm -hmm. You know, they were made up of people just travelling in. Yeah, if, yeah. If, the, if it clashed with something in Birmingham, you know, you'd think now if you put a doing in Burton and a doing in Birmingham, it wouldn't affect you, but you'd lose ten people to the yeah, doing yeah. Birmingham. Yeah. You know, the scene yeah. was that small and everybody knew each other. And it drew like-minded people, so it drew people who wanted to hear something a bit different, uh, people who wanted to hear slower records. or I mean, we didn't play all slow records, but there was definitely that element where we'd just push the envelope a little bit. We played some classics and we played, you know, what was getting played at the time, but we also played this, you know, mid-tempo stuff. I know when I first met Shifty, he looked through my box. <laughs> I won't say exactly what he says, but, uh, blooming heck, he didn't say that. Yeah, he said, blooming heck. My, my got, word. Yeah, my word, you've got a box full of enders, he said to me, because <laughs> they were all mid-tempo, you know, low, low uh, you know. The box full of threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but it was popular, you know, and, and, and it was kind of the, if you like, I guess it was like the shining light for people who, who were still into it after all these years, hadn't dropped off, hadn't gone and had kids or if they had to come back. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and like-minded people got together and people like Cliff Steele and Andy Murphy from Derby and um, guys from Birmingham, Brian Goucher, um, I'm trying to think who else was a regular, but all these guys would converge and I think that's where a lot of them met each other for the first time. Yeah. Uh, the record bar was was legendary. Uh, I, unfortunately, I, I never got a chance to look at the record bar because. Uh, but the number of times I said afterwards, "God, that's cool." We had that from. Oh, I bought it in the record bar at Bretby. Yeah, I, I mean, for perspectives, um, you know, all these records were owned by you know certainly the likes of Levine, a few of them by myself. We're not claimed to own own them all at different times, but the the competition 
that these records, let's, let's take those last three just for an example. The competition of the records that we were playing at the time, these wouldn't get... No, I understand, yeah, yeah. So I think you have to give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for, for being part of that. Uh, you know, changing the tempos. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting like-minded people on board to do that. I mean, you've just, you know, I'm Brian Couch, you just hit your Cliff Steele as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some fantastic names, uh, you know, fans of soul music. And I think when people um, have gained people's respect, then you can move music around and, and, and get people to take the time to listen because there's a magical word that comes in, the connection between the crowd and the DJ, and that magical word is called trust. Mm. And and once you've achieved that, I mean, you've said that about other people tonight, about Steve Smith, about Gilly, about different people that have influenced you. But when you've got someone like that and you've got that trust, then you can start changing things around a bit or remoulding, if you will. Yeah. So it isn't the same old, same old. Yeah, I mean, I was just a, a lad, really. I had no right to be doing that, but I guess it was because I was younger, I'd thought, oh, well, we'll just put this play what we want to play. If we do one, we'll do one. If it goes on for two years, we'll go on for two... You know, we just do what we want to do. Yeah, and but that, people, that's, that's how you move anything forward. You, you're taking a risk. It, yeah. I mean, sometimes you're doing that with a record that you play. You know, you're taking a risk. I mean, even when you've got a reputation, you might play something that, that you believe in and think, wow, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't much of a reaction. Yeah. You know, I can think of some of the biggest Northern Soul records that I was lucky enough to play for the first time that got little or no reaction. I mean, Seven Day Lover, for instance, at wow. Wigan Casino, the only time I ever played there, cleared the floor. Really? Wow. Cleared the floor. What's this funky music you're playing?
chatting off screen uh, a little bit of live radio there and we did four choices in that particular <laughs> case uh, good evening to Steve Smith I don't know if you can hear us Steve or not but uh, we are talking about you so that's why your ears are burning uh, Brian Pinch's loving the Melvin Davis version of that as well which is right Gary Samway's in there um, and what can I say what can I say uh, it, it's incredible choices each and every time I get a guest in here um, thanks Brian for sticking that link up for him you should be able to get it on the tune in uh, if not directly but you can also download the app from the hitmix.co.uk uh, you can download it from the site um, that's what a lot of people do listen to my jazz show on a Sunday uh, we kicked off there uh, Chris is Chris still yeah he's over there in the dark um, with an acetate so tell us about that yeah, that was um, uh, O.C. Tolbert, You've Got Me Turn Around, which um, came out a few years later on Kent, uh, was unissued. But that particular one, uh, that was mixed uh, by Gilly in Dave Hamilton's studio uh, on a trip, a, a trip over there, record buying, searching artist information trip that he used to make to Detroit and uh, went to Dave Hamilton's studio. Dave 
showed him that and Gilly was on the controls and mixed that so it's a different version right alternative um, mix if you yeah. will yeah, yeah. and uh, when Gilly uh, sold his first collection I was, I was oh, I can have the AC Tolbert so I had that <laughs> off him but I think he wants it back now so it'll probably be in the post I've seen the last of that should have kept my mouth shut on uh, <laughs> on Facebook maybe you no. can do him another acetate nip, nip up to Comport and do, do him another burner on, on Monday yeah we could do um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, Dave Hamilton, I mean, Dave Godding was the first person to tell me about him, and of course, he, uh, <coughs> did he have one or more uh, CDs out with yeah, his choices? Couple, yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah. Um, need to get some water here, Mr. Curtis, you starting to sound like a frog. Um, the Prophets, uh, My Kind of Girl. Yeah, again, another word record <coughs> that uh, was in Gilly's collection, when I, or, or uh, the box of records that he loaned me, fantastic mid-tempo Detroit. Same level, of course, of uh, Roy Handy, we said up there, maybe that's a good, you know, yeah. sensational record that got played back in the day. Uh, and then we're on this old Kent label again, uh, is this something that wasn't issued in the first place? Yeah, that's, again, uh, the record that Gilly and Tats found on their trip over to Detroit. Um, turned out to be uh, Little Anne, but it was covered up as uh, Patience Valentine. Uh, and that um, would have been Gilly, Richard, would it? Yeah. And Patience Richard Valentine had was, that, yeah. It was a very yeah. popular cover up back then. Levine liked that name as well. Of course, Patience Valentine recorded at the time for RCA. Yeah. Um, and then we finished up with one that uh, Brian says he likes, he also likes the Melvin Davis uh, version, but that was Steve Mancha. Yep, yep. And you're still in my heart. Yeah, Mid Tempo Detroit. And that was very much my, uh, you know, my, my tempo of the time was that mid-tempo stuff. Now, the next bit's going to be good because you're going to give me a record because I haven't got one at the moment, <laughs> and, yeah, which, is, which is absolutely yeah, normal. 21.47, Hit Mix Radio 107.5. You with Colin Curtis and my special guest tonight, Chris Anderton. Um, originally born in York, didn't spend much time there, but now uh, a Burton on I'm still a Yorkie, though. But I, I he, he's not in Burton on Trent. We will tell you about that. He's not in Burton on Trent anymore.
thanks to my guest tonight, Mr. Chris Anderson. Three more fantastic records. We'll talk about those in a second. Just switch over to chat room and just just going back a little bit in the show. Um, you know, and many thanks to Brian for sticking all the uh, the labels up there on the thread tonight. It definitely lives it up, puts a bit of colour in there. Um, but what I'm looking at, of course, is the inspirations. Um, which I first saw on, on the desk at uh, Neil Rushton's, a one-sided record. Uh, we knew it was rare, but we didn't know just how rare it was mm. back in the day. For, so for your guy to have it in that box of records yeah, yeah. was just amazing. Mm. And, and yes, that would have been, what, six, seven years later, but still amazing. Yeah. Because, I mean, very, very few of, of that record were anywhere. I think I, uh, Neil Rushton... Uh, loaned it to me and, until I finished playing it and then I think it got sold to uh, maybe Richie Andrews in, in Wales and I don't know where they ended up but I know there was only one or two I can't remember the name of the guy who sent it over originally um, one, of the, one of the big names I just can't bring it to mind uh, but also um, out of the records we've just played we've got um, John Clement saying that uh, he thinks that's the best record that um, that Don Gardner made Yeah, I don't disagree with that uh, but for me, Cheating Kind, uh, just the way that Cheating Kind is layered, the way, the arrangement on it, and, and it never, for me, never became a big record. It was always a, a dance floor troubler. Yeah. <laughs> keep them back at the bar with that one. Uh, nod me head, but I'm not dancing to it. Um, but we kicked off there with a classic from the OJs, so uh, influence yeah, that, for that. that they're uh, Brett B Records, all three. Um, the first one, uh, the OJs, was big at the time. You know, I played it at Brett B, and it you know, dance floor favourite and a great, great tune. The next two were uh, Steve Smith tunes, um, the uh, Don Gardner, definitely Steve, and um, the, the Bonnie Herman was covered up as Patience Valentine, we're just saying as <laughs> the most common cover-up name yes, uh, out yes. there, Patience yes, Valentine. You'll be able to license that as a cover name and, and know that you're not going to get sued. Um, Bonnie Herman, don't know anything about that record, but very nice indeed, and uh, that completed the three, and that, that was kind of that Brett B era, so you, you'd now got Another set of like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. They were all, you know, coming and supporting and DJ, you know, with people DJing and, you know... I know later on Brett became two rooms, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, that's but after it, I... We're talking about the period... Talking about the period, uh, it was March 91 to September 95, that's when I ran it. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, we had some great times. The other thing that crept in there was people playing more modern records and 70s records. I remember John Calder's doing me a, um, a, a tape, it was at the time, and Cliff doing me a tape, and Cliff's tape was 70s one side, 60s another side, because I had said something about, Cliff came to DJ, and I said to his wife, Cliff ain't brought any 70s records, has he? <laughs> uh, and he came, up, he came up to me and he says, don't worry, I've not brought any 70s records, just me 80s and 90s. And I was like, oh my God, but he didn't, he played, he played uh, you know, great, but, be, but he, he kind of nurtured me onto... Um, 70s crossover stuff. I think, I think Cliff's another one of those people who, who, who is able to get people's trust and, and able to make them, not make them listen, but but get them to listen to stuff that you may immediately think is out of your comfort zone, but actually isn't. Yeah. Um, I can remember saying when I first got into crossover, I remember saying, these records are absolutely great. They're just as soulful as the 60s stuff. That's right. And you know what? They're a fiver each. That's because right. The, the, the prices weren't uh, anything uh, that, like that's, that's the conversation I used to have back at Blackpool Mecca. I mean, I mean, when I was when my late '73, I started playing new releases. By mid '74, I would say 80% of my set was new releases, and they were 85 pence or a pound. Yeah. They're not anymore. You buy the SX4 for 85 pence or a pound nowadays. Yeah. You're not going to intersection. No, you're not going to. But at that particular time, um, you were pushing up 
against the 60s pushback. Uh, yeah. You know, they didn't, uh, you know, didn't like the fact. I remember, you know, people making comments like, you know, if you go to Manchester because when you get there, nobody will come because you're not playing rare music. But I'm afraid that was completely incorrect. Yeah. If you're playing good music, uh, it doesn't have to be rare. But, I mean, this scene uh, has always thrived on, on, on rarity and unknowns. Um, but when you look at the back catalogue, of um, 60s and 70s music you can come back um, and then someone else can reinterpret it in a different way and that's what you're talking about here yeah. with yourself with Steve I'm not, Smith I've not seen his records were never played or oh or no 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 some of them were some but, of, but, but, but breaking records to the, to the point where everybody knows them um, these records weren't in that category you know, when they were originally played no yeah. OJ's say, a little bit more known I mean available yeah. you know, fairly, fairly not as available today as we've just said but um, Don Gardner no I mean that that would have been that would have been a ballsy play yeah it would have been under most people's radar but someone would say oh that got played at the Mecca and you say yeah fair enough maybe it, but it might have got played for three it, weeks it, it might, might have got played you, you know <laughs> that's it, absolutely right yeah I'm sure I, 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 I remember you starting to compile uh, you know lists uh, with Butch uh, back in the day of what got played and he just said this is insane you know yeah. I mean the, the thing was at one point you could have probably missed the Mecca for four weeks and come back and you wouldn't none of the records were, really wow it was that, yeah. it was that nuts yeah. because you know the new releases were infiltrating and then if Levine came back with four to five thousand <laughs> records again you got this whole thing going on yeah. and then this whole change with, with obviously Carstairs, Seven Day Lover, and um, Shake and Bump, and, you know, a, a, a whole different vibe, you know, and, and, and that vibe produced Voice of Beast Harlem and records like that, you know, that, that opened up other doors as well. Then you've got Leroy Hudson coming in through the door, and it, it was just, for me, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But not for everybody. No, no. no not some for people. It's, it's, and in fact, uh, talking about Brett be there, um, and, and you say about. Uh, Chris and Dave running it. Um, I I was getting more and more into the seventies crossover stuff. I was going towards new releases a little bit, but you know I still like the sixties stuff. I wanted to play it all. But then I had a body of people who've been to Brett Beef since day one. Almost keep it sixties, keep they it sixties. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, of course. and we were getting you know 100, 120 in, and I just said, you know what, I've done my bit. I, I don't know which direction to take it. I've, I I like it all, but. You're saying that you want it all 60s. You're saying you want to move it into 70s. And let, you know what? Let, we've done our bit. Let's just... And I just finished it. And I finished it when it was still really popular. In fact, I've probably never been so popular. Okay. And I just said, you know what, we've done it. Let, you know, let's just move on. And some people have never got over that 60s. You know, a few people, oh, Brett, be, oh, when you play that mid-tempo. He said, yeah, but it was 30 years ago. And get, get into the crossover stuff, you know. And, yeah. oh, I don't, oh, I don't really like it. So so when did it come back as a two-room event? When, well, uh, well, what happened was, um, I sort of said I was going to finish it. I've done my bit, you know. Hugging the equipment around. Well, it's a common thing with me because we'll talk about Dabasol, but the <laughs> <laughs> equipment in and out and getting back. And I was probably at work on a Saturday and I had other things going on. So, um... I just felt like we'd done, done our bit and taken it as far as we wanted to take it. And then when I said I was going to finish it, um, Gilly said to me, you know, a guy, he, he wasn't on the scene at the time, but a guy called Dave Thorley said he wants to take it on. And yeah. Chris King, he said, can I meet up with you? I said, yeah, you know. So I went to the club with Dave and Chris, and it was all amicable, you know, and I said to the guys, listen, I'm not doing a soul night anymore, but these guys are going to are gonna run it, you know, and they had a chat. And 
Was well, it obviously, once you've got Dave involved, then you've got music, you've got weird clothes, you've got strange <laughs> hairstyles, you've got the whole lot coming in now. Yeah. Um, and but, started... but, but again, I mean, D Dave was a part of Stafford as well. I mean, yeah, he was part yeah. of that second room. I worked that second room for him a few times, and, you know, he was he was pushing again. He was a pusher, and, you know, even to the point that, you know, the Frankie Knuckles and records like that were getting played by Dave, which was fantastic for me, again, yeah. you know, showing that there is soulfulness and interest in, in all the different genres, whether it be soulful house... Oh, they took it, it to a... I mean, I mean, they started with Soul Nights, and then they took it to a different level with the All Nighters. Three rooms, they asked... People say, oh, there's two rooms. There was three rooms a lot of the time, because they had a yeah. crossover room. You know, I'd go in there, and I, and, and I loved it, having that on my doorstep, without the pressure of promoting it, or having to be there till the end. I was at every one. And, and what Chris, Chris and Dave did with it was, uh, was take it to the next level. They really did, you know, and credit yeah. to them. Live acts, you know. That was Chris. Yeah, Kim Weston was on there and a few other people. Yeah. Chris King we're talking about. Yes, yeah. Chris yeah, King, yeah. It was Chris King who, who asked me to come and play there. I eventually did it one night. I think I'd done Blackburn earlier on in the night and then drove down to Bretby. And, oh, wow. and I, I, I think... Uh, Brian's just said on air, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere. That, yeah. That's an understatement. That was a, an understatement. Opposite, opposite the crowd. when I got there, he didn't want to, what was his name, Terry G, didn't want me to go on. He said, I, you know, I'd come too late. It was too late. <laughs> <laughs> I said, all right, just pay me then. Um, and then we'll talk about what time I go on.
fantastic guests on the show uh, next Friday night I've got Mr John Manship um, all the way with his Melton Mowbray pies um, we kicked off there with the Darnells call on me on that Cohen uh, we're still in the uh, the Bretby bit um, yeah, I, I, know, I, know, I know you're still promoting it as we're talking but um, of course uh, the Darnells uh, pre- well arranged and produced by Gamble and Huff <laughs> with a track there called call on me uh, and then we moved on to Gloria Lynn I mean, this and the third record, Marva Josie, very much um, advocates of what you're talking about. You know, get yeah. slower records, great soul records that are getting played on it. Um, John uh, is just mentioning in chat that, you know, before the term crossover, these were just great songs. Yeah, just great records, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the good thing, well, the good thing and the bad thing about... Um, the soul scene in this country everybody at some point wants to categorise it yeah, yeah. <laughs> or recategorise it and say so, so those are three more from that Brett they're B definitely era. Brett B records so, I, mean, I think the uh, the Marva Josie definitely played at 100 Club yeah uh, but it fitted right in with what we were doing and you know we were, <laughs> weren't too proud Dino I never heard the Dino was all glory in fact I remember asking Butch about Glory Lynn he didn't, he didn't know it uh, when I was looking for a copy, D- Dianels just played at the Mecca with with, with not a, not an, an incredible response. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, no. just the wrong time for the re- great record. Both both sides. But oh, just I, I the have wrong to say, time. I mean, as the last hour at the Blackpool Mecca developed, I mean, you know, maybe I dropped it once or twice, but I, I wasn't getting a reaction. Levine had tried it in the main part of the night as well, and yeah. you know, it was a yeah a tough sell at that point. Um, and and again, Glory Lynn, a, a record that I was aware of. Marva Josty, sorry, I don't even know. Um, I, again, I'm not saying it's 100 percent my taste, but I can appreciate the uh, yeah. music and and see where it's going. So what what are we doing now then? So Brett's gone. Yeah, Brett's gone. You've finished. got no uh, paper rounds left. No, and, uh, I'm still at work. Dave's wondering what to do with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then there was a. Um, Two years into Bretby, another venue started uh, not too far away, All Brighton, which is on the Shropshire, sort of Wolverhampton border, uh, ran by Martin, Bradley, uh, Lynn and Tate. And um, along the same sort of lines, really, and I was, I used to, well, the first couple of years, I used to put my kit in, so I used to take my kit over there and I was there for the whole night. 
and it was a bit quiet and it was a little bit of a you know bit of a social about 20 people there and then uh, suddenly after about two two and a half years the doors just opened and the place was rammed one night and it never looked back it went from strength to strength so you stuck it out for that long they stuck it i didn't, I didn't promote it i was just putting my kid I, I remember taking martin home giving him a lift home and saying look it ain't gonna work this you know you're wasting your time and then it went on suddenly something clicked with that that venue and it, it was it was rammed in the balls and again was this it, a saturday uh friday night friday, friday night yeah, yeah. okay uh, soul night and um you know it just went from strength to strength and the people that were djing there you look now ted massey john weston john Pugh, kenny onions blue max um who else was on there uh, tc um, and the guests, were, you know, it'd be Sam Butch, it'd be Cliff Steele, it'd be top draw guests, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Steve Plum, uh, Barry Malid, it'd be, be, you know, absolutely top, top but, line. But prior to that night, none of those, none of those guests, just, just the names that you've mentioned, were, were regularly. Yeah, playing. they were like, they were sort of the residents, and then yeah. you'd have you'd have Cliff and your and your um, uh, Steve and these guys are coming and be the guest DJs, you know. But but the thing is, with the beauty of it was, it was genuinely across the board. So you'd be playing sixties right through to new releases 40 minute spots for 45 minute spots and i can remember starting off as a 45 minute spot r&b r&b northern 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 crossover 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 70s 70s 80s 90s and then and the same people danced the first record danced to the, the last record Quite it right. was a genuine Quite right, yeah. across the board yeah. and um you know ted did that all the djs did that uh, to some extent, but and it was a real uh, community of DJs where everyone, you know, if if Len Cook plays something one month and I liked it, then and I w he wasn't on that because you were resident, but I, I used to do like three or four a year, so okay. I'd be on one month and then, then so I play something and then you uh, fill in the gaps. Yeah, he'd say, oh, I'll, I'll I'll get that and play it next month and then there was no so so at anything. this point because are you selling records now or are you? Are well, you I still started to go to the states. I went the first okay. went to the states in ninety one. And um, I ain't got a clue. I, sh I had no business out there, really. <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing. But we were floating around. Well, I mean, you've listened to the shows. I mean, I mean, when when uh, when Butch went the first time with Tim, um, they they didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea. And no, didn't we were like that. And the first time I went, Matt Stu, who was my old friend from school, who was starting Brett with, he was out there working or something for three months. And I said, I'll come over and we'll look for records for two weeks. And um, we got this plan. We ain't got a clue how big the place well, I ain't got any perception of how big the place was. So, well, we're going to fly to New York. We're going to drive to Detroit. <laughs> you didn't realise it was nine hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we didn't know. No, anyway. Which we, is nothing we, for Americans, but it's a bit different. Than yeah, they'll, they'll go to the shops nine yeah. hours away, yeah. but no, for us. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so we went over there. We had a plan. We went to Boston. We didn't have a car. We went to Boston and Philadelphia on the on the Greyhound and hung around New York. And we found some records, but I'll tell you how bad we were at it. We went to a record shop in Boston and the guy got a big wall of records behind the counter and I said can we look at the records and he said no uh, you've got to tell me some artists you know we were like oh god you know try to think and I said Jimmy Soul Clark I'll be your winner and he goes and he comes back he says we've got five copies and there was five mint white demos and I looked at him and I went I said yeah they must be bootlegs we'll just take one each <laughs> we, took, <laughs> we took one each we got home and uh, Stuart says Hey, you know that Jimmy Soul Clark? It, mine's got a ZTSC stamp on it. I says, oh, God, has it? Blummed out, we should have checked that, shouldn't we? So I wrote to the guy and said, can you send me the other three Jimmy Soul Clarks? He came and I sent him $15 or something. Yeah, yeah. And he, he wrote back and said, sorry, I haven't got them. 
and I said, um, I wrote back again, I said, they're filed under Soul, not under Clark, and he sent me the records, the other three. Wow. So we got them in there, but oh, we were clueless. We, should, we had no business being out there, really. <laughs> uh, but we kept going and going, and uh, I, went, I went a couple of times with Stu, and then I went with a guy, Dave Ingle, who was DJing. We went to the West Coast and went down. So we got better at it. Well, obviously, I got better at it. But um, that was the first time, uh, 91, we... we uh, yeah, it was good fun. And you still going nowadays? Yeah, still going nowadays. Not so much as I was before COVID. Um, when co I was going two or three times a year, every year. And um, I think I've been eight, 80 times, 90 times maybe in total. I've been to every state apart from, well, not, I've never been to Alaska and Hawaii, but I, and Maine is the other one. I've never been over the border. I've been close to the border, but never been over. But every other state I've been to. And um, yeah, I just, you know, well, you've been that many times, the novelty kind of wears off. So, for instance, Mace loves being out there. He loves the culture. He loves the, you know, the excitement of it all. I'd rather buy records from a guy in Manchester who's selling his collection. Yeah, oh, it right. gets. I'm on that bus as well. <laughs> it right. gets a bit like that. I press that button and the record comes tomorrow. That's <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know that. But um, okay, we are at All Brighton. Let's play some music. <laughs>
special girl How she makes me feel so groovy Oh Lord, just like an old time movie And when we're out on a date I know she'll never come up late My baby
territory now. We're landing in my territory, <laughs> and uh, we're talking about the times at Albrighton. You know, when people talk about the scene, and and you know. Always refer back, you know, Trusted Wheel, Torch, Mecca, Wigan, um, Stafford, St. Ives. Yeah, what you're talking about tonight, what what happened at Bretby and what happened um, at Albrighton, for me, are just as important. Yeah. You know, listening to the music and the stuff that was introduced, some of this I know, some of it I don't know, but, you know, definitely just as important because, you know, some of the names you reeled off um, who are now obviously better known, I mean, like yourself, you've gone into this, to the depth you've gone into, trips to America, and, you know, people introducing music that isn't typical Northern or typical, I mean, they use these terms, they're talking in the chat room about crossover, yeah, cross yeah. Under, cross-dressing, I've no idea <laughs> what any of that means, you know. I mean, at one point, I just thought that was another name for records that, that weren't, you know, your first choice, if you had, if you had a draft choice to pick the records, um, as we said before, if, if you lay them all out at the same time, then yes, some of those popular records would still be the choices, because blowing my mind to pieces takes some bloody beating, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, but what we've got, what and what you're introducing is, is, is and particularly I have, to, I have to give credit to Ian Levine as well, you know, when you look back at some of the articles that he was writing back then in, in Black Wax, for instance, mm. uh, Black Music, um, you know, incredible, incredible detail and, and championing, you know, the kind of records, some of the kind of records that you've been playing tonight. But we kicked off there with one of my mecca favourites and still is, still in my box, in my box, <laughs> um, was the Invitations Look on the Good Side, which at that point was 85 pence. It was a yeah, brand yeah. new release. You've got a nice white, a white promo here showing off, but yeah, you know, I've still got the original blue one, uh, still for blue records. But that sound for me, that, that kind of Philadelphia sound was just so massive. The string, yeah. Everything about it was absolutely beautiful, and and then you know you're bringing back that in at Bretby at, at what in the nineties? Yeah, uh, Albrighton that one. Albrighton, sorry, not, not just me, yeah. but the guys. You know, it, it was played at that time. Yeah. And, and then we had Earl White, which is an absolutely incredible record as well. Very special girl. This came kind of after my period, if you will. Yeah, but yeah. this came. Uh, this record was getting heavy, heavy to. Uh, plays heavy spins at the beginning of the Southport Weekenders. Okay. So at Caligran, this record was becoming huge, along with, um, oh, I don't remember, I, I, I will remember before the end of the show. Well, but, well that but, record, I first heard that John Corliss did me a tape. Yep. Um, two sides, No, he, he's, John Corliss has been a nuisance for many, many <laughs> years. He's another name and another guy whose ability to do something that I believe that everybody who pioneers zombies in this country has got that one talent and that's to be able to make a decision yeah. and then to back it up by playing the record. To get to that point, you also need the other word that I used earlier on, that's trust. Mm. Once you've got that, and then you can take those kind of chances, but then that pushes the whole thing forward. John Corliss is absolute star, as he probably oh, yeah, 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 came, yeah. came Just, on the show. That, that, uh, that tape he did, I could tell you the track, you know, almost the track list, and I played it to death, and it was a massive influence, along with Cliff's tape. You know, there was that, Melvin Moore, uh, Gloria there, Scott. There was, the record I'm thinking of was called Alone Again. Who was that by? Uh, Rock Candy. No, 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 that was alone with no love. Stop it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dave, not take two points off his card. Oh, uh, yeah, on Blue Soul. Yes, on yeah. Blue Rock or Blue, Blue Soul. Soul. Yeah, yeah, Blue Soul, um, yeah. And that was being played by uh, the head of... Um, What's the name records nowadays? I mean, he's huge, a millionaire, I think. Um, Skip Jackson, I'm on to you, girl. Yeah. And 
I, I don't know anything about that record. Tell me about that record. Uh, just a nice... That, that for me, sums up Crossover. That's a typical Crossover record of that time. And um, just a fantastic tune, great dancer. And the other side is a killer, Deep uh, deep Soul. Uh, real killer, Deep Soul. Uh, I might play it later. But... Um, Yes, just just a great tune. Don't know a lot else about it, to be honest. Okay, so we we're now at All Brighton, and um, that magical night has come along, and now everybody everybody wants to be involved. So yeah, moving it forward, we've got some more All Brighton music, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, w what happened to change All Brighton? What, what, what well, the big difference for me was that's when I started going to the states a lot more. So I was getting new records, and, and again, not new, new. No, you know, not breaking, not, no, not, not like Levine in the seventy no. one or whatever. Going over and finding all these amazing, but just new records that were that were new, either new to me or that were now in my collection because I've been over to the states and got them. So my spot and my collection was expanding. I was playing more and more stuff, um, and then obviously influenced by the other DJs at All Brighton and people like you know John Corliss, Cliff, Bob Hinsley, uh, Sam had come back on the scene by that time. Uh, obviously Butch, um, I don't leave anybody out. Dave Weldon, all these guys were yeah. you know Sean Hampsey at Pictures Tats. I mean, th that, that is a pretty phenomenal <laughs> yeah. DJs, isn't it? And collectors. Yeah. Uh, that is, you know, that would take guys. some beating, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, and I know uh, we've had Andy Tats on the show, Ian Bullock. Yeah. I mean, they created their own thing. And, and I think these individual things that have happened um, and, and bec become very successful and, and, and actually, you know, I'm watching some of the old videos of, of, uh, of Tats's Nights where the crowd are singing records that, you know, nobody wouldn't have known otherwise. Yeah. You know, they, they absolutely wouldn't. And, and you know, so so I think not enough is, is spoken about, uh, about you know, the type of stuff we're talking about tonight. Mm. And, and really... Um, what an important role it's played in, in continuing to this and continuing pushing it forward. I, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the king of them all, Mr. Butch, but, um, you know, again, part of it. I mean, Butch, you know, he, he tied himself heavily in with the 100 Club as well. Yeah. We're still coming guesting for that. And I know that, <clears throat> you know, when he met up with uh, the likes of Kenny Dope and then went into Europe, uh, again, Europe was a, was a blank page for him. Mm. It, it, it allowed him... Um, not to have to play the same records he was expected to play in the UK when he turned up somewhere, but to be able to open it up, and and I think that that's helped him him open up and 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 now when it, when he does a, a an almost unrecognisable spot that he he, he would do at uh, for Barry's night at uh, Haydock, uh, yeah, I went up there to listen and it was just fantastic. I mean, and again, he he's always like Barry in the tempos, but he, he can bring it right down as oh, well yeah, and do yeah. those old uh, beat ballad thingy my bobs. We continue. More music.
sounds like something that I've heard before. It sounds like something that I've heard before. So happy to be the man you'd like to see. So happy to be the man you'd like to see. So when the morning dawns, I'll sing you a new song. a day how you try 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 to make it in the world but very little comes your way
three more choices and 22-11. So you can go and take yourself a coffee break now and have a sit back. Uh, you're taking tonight's football results. I have no idea what they are. Um, I was back and listen to some more great music because we've still got you know an hour and just under 20 minutes to go. But we kicked off there with Jimmy Ellis, Happy To Be. Yep. Talk me through that one. Uh, great crossover record, uh, lyrics to die for, one of those sort of... I've got a real uh, morbid fascination with Vietnam records. Uh, I think a few people have <laughs> ever since I said that on the on the dab show, a few people have said, "Oh, I'm the same with that." But it's got fantastic lyrics and a wonderful crossover record we played at All Brighton. Brilliant. And then we moved on with Moses Smith again, a record that was known back in the day, but yeah. um, given you know a new lease of life, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, both sides, fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean that was the, it was the other side that we got the original plays. You know, come yeah, come on, I love you. Um, and then we finished up there with um, the seashells. Seashells, yeah, out of Detroit and uh, quite home. Yeah, so, so, yeah, absolutely superb. Just fantastic, fantastic soul music. Thank you. So, um, Shame we don't play it often. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave always moans that I never play seashells, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well and, and next time you won't have any excuse, really, because you, yeah, everybody wants it now. It's been played on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're continuing at this point in All Brighton and all those DJs and everything. How much longer did that last? Uh, it lasted till about 2001. One, yeah. Yeah. Was 2001. 2001. Yeah. And there were, you know, great days. Um, during that time, that's when I was going to the States a lot and I went with Shifty uh, twice a year. I'd have two weeks off work twice a year and, and we'd go. And um, it was just, you know, as I was saying there off, uh, off mic, when we first started going, it was pre-internet, and you were, you might as well be going to the moon. You know, you wave goodbye at the at the airport, and you just went to America. You didn't have any contact with anybody. Yep. There was no mobile phones to speak of, no internet. You know, you wanted to know the football scores. You had to go and look in. And also, also paper, apart, apart from apart from you know really informed dealers, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't know values. They wouldn't actually no. know. They're just looking to shift the wine, make some money. Yeah, yeah. We go to Detroit a lot and Chicago, and and generally concentrate on that area. Um, around Ohio and um, you know we got the same guys time in time out and we go to record fairs and you know we get we get a, a tip you know go and see this guy and you know this guy yeah and, I, mean, I mean going back to the show with Tim I mean he said he bumped into some incredibly influential people who, who then networked yeah. uh, him and Butch with, you know, with some incredible places and you know and, and I think that that seems to be the secret I mean nowadays as you say it has changed everybody knows everything everybody everybody can yeah, get on the internet and do discogs everybody can you know so picking up bargains and picking up but, but you, you can still go and find stuff I'm sure that you you sell I mean I mean so at, at the end of um, of All Brighton Princess were you selling records by that point yes um, well 2003 I was, I was always you know when I go to the States it was really for me uh, but I would buy you know obviously I'll pay for this trip so I'll come back sell some records keep what I wanted and it, and it worked really well 2000 and, and I was with Shifty and he was doing it full time so it was we, we worked at it. We weren't there playing golf or anything. You know, we go there and we'd be like... That's it. We, we always used to say, if someone said, I've got some records, come around at 3am, we'd be there at 3am. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we would go anywhere. You know, we were really irresponsible, really. Yeah. Because the places we could, we'd get a tip, some house in Detroit, and we'd just... Sounds like up. most soul-collecting fanatics. Irresponsible is a word that you could put yeah. in that sentence. I'm a lot, more, yeah. a lot more cautious uh, now, especially since I have kids. Um, I... <laughs> Uh, but some of the places we went, we just shouldn't have even been there. No. You know, we, um, we, we we rode our luck, really. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I mean, I go back to stories, um, obviously, 
lucky enough to have spent some time with John Anderson, but, um, you know, listening to other people talk about that, and, and, and they said, you know, I mean, he, he just used to walk into Harlem, and nobody could understand how he got away with it, you know, yeah. but then, you know, I remember one black guy commenting that, you know, this guy's six foot five, he's got an afro, he's white, and he's, he's got a Scottish accent, ain't nobody going to be messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of, you know, because back in the day, he had that huge afro, I mean, yeah. he was you know, quite, quite an intimidating figure in, in, in in, in the street in uh, Kings Lynn, never mind Harlem. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I remember one time we went to, uh, we're in Chicago, we got this number, it was uh, Eddie Sullivan, you know, the classic Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, go and see Eddie Sullivan, he's got some records. Okay, so, we, uh, it was before you had, you know, maps on your phone or anything like that, we used to print maps off, oh, we got into a right mess with these maps, and we are trying to print it, Look, you know, tr overlay it on the actual map of Chicago, and the one we got printed off, you know, uh, and we're outside the school. Suddenly the school bell goes, everybody's coming out, and it was real black area, you know. All these kids are coming out, and they're like, they're just surrounded, not, not surround our car, intimidating us, but there's that many kids, we're just in the road, and there's hundreds of kids. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're seeing this blue light. Woo, 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 you know, police. And we thought, what's this happening here? And the police came round, said to us, what are you guys doing here? And we said, oh, well... Is it a bad area? You guys shouldn't even be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, you need to go. Where are you looking for? And we showed him the address. He said, you're nowhere near. He said, it's the other side, you know. He says, and then another car came by and he says, follow my buddy here. He'll take you to the address. And we followed this police car, got a police escort to Eddie Sullivan's house. <laughs> and the funny thing about that trip is that I was desperate to find uh, Melvin Moore. I said, oh, I want a Melvin Moore. I want Melvin Moore. It was sort of late 90s. It was just starting to get played. And um, we went to Eddie Sullivan's house lovely guy and his wife beautiful really nice people I had a good chat with him I said I'm looking for this record Melvin Moore oh we know Melvin but he never made a record oh he did yeah no no Melvin never made a record oh, okay you know <laughs> whatever we'll agree to disagree and uh, then they were funny about seeing the records can you can you can I come and see the records where they're downstairs well we can go downstairs well I'm not really sure you know no one really goes down oh, come on you know if you've got the records we'll pay some good money uh, okay come and have a look <laughs> We went downstairs, I shouldn't, no, no, they're I think they both passed away, so I'll tell you this. I, I was going to miss this bit out, and there's this uh, daughter living in the basement, mm -hmm. who like, looks like she hadn't seen anybody for about ten years, you know, like, she was sort of spooked well, when down there. <laughs> and I remember she was watching Jerry Springer on the TV, and she like, jumped up, like, oh, and, and you know, said, oh, don't worry, it's okay, and I talked to her, and she went back and laid on the bed and watched Jerry Springer, and there was about that many, like about a hundred records, and he goes, there's the records. Fourth record in Melvin Moore. Wow. And he'd never made a record. He said, never made a record and we never heard the record, but we knew it. They knew him, but said they were never got his record. But not not paying any attention to what they got them got themselves. No. I, I mean, but I mean, I mean, you know, talking with Tim, talking with John Anderson, so many, so many of the artists hadn't even got copies of their own records. No, and, you know, Andy Tats as well. Some some great stories. Yeah, uh, from, yeah. from the trips in the states. We'll continue with more music. It's twenty two forty eight. You were calling Curtis Hit Mix Radio one hundred seven point five FM. You will, of course, be able to listen to this again. Uh, download should be up um, on Monday at the late. Latest, um, possibly late on Sunday, but I think it's going to be Monday uh, before we get the download up. And I will just remind you that uh, the 2024 Torch reunion, a few Torch records dropped in tonight's show, um, 
featuring Don Mopsy Morris, Julian Bentley, Jed Beggs, Ian Conliffe and Baz Ratcliffe and myself and that's happening of course at uh, Nantwich Civic Hall and that is happening uh, from 7.30 till 1am um, and that is the 2024 one and there should be a date on this uh, is it not bother putting the date on um, I know it's in April I, I will give you the date Chris Burton you haven't got the date on your own flyer so uh, I think that maybe needs looking into but I think that is uh, it, he has got the date on it I just can't see it 20th of April 2024 uh, come and get the memories of uh, the Golden Torch reunion Nantwich Civic Hall I know the last one there was excellent I like Nantwich Civic Hall fantastic dance oh, floor cheers, yeah. fantastic stage
opinion, one of the great voices, the one and mm. only Mr. Walter Jackson there finishing us off. But um, we kicked off that uh, trio of records and we're still in that kind of old Brighton mode um, with a record that was very rarely seen as a new release, but it was available as a new release if you were very, very quick. 1977, um, Majoba and Say You Will. It still sounds just absolutely oh, incredible. magical, yeah. <laughs> and I was saying that that was my uh, uh, wedding present to myself. I was desperate for a copy. I think Cliff put me onto that originally. And then um, a copy came up on eBay. I got married on the Saturday. That Majoba finished on eBay on the Sunday, and I was going on my honeymoon on Monday. So I thought, I'm going to buy this record. It might be the last record I ever buy now I've got married. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I put a silly bid in, and it, it didn't go for that much. You know, I was more than happy, but uh, yeah, that's wedding present to myself. And then uh, the profanation, and I want to wrap you in my arms, yeah? Yep, yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Uh, well, the other other side used to get played. Um, that... Uh, was Try Love Again, yeah. Yeah, Try Love Again. I'm not sure what area that was, maybe. I thought maybe... Not Metro, mine. But not not, yours, not so, one of mine, no. no. Uh, that was no. the side, and then, obviously, as things change and taste change, things get flipped over, and that's uh, sublime. And then, uh, what a combination on this record, because, I mean, you've got Walter Jackson doing the vocals, you've got uh, Carl Davis um, and Sonny Saunders producing it, and who wrote Let, Let Me Come Back? Tell me. You tell me. You Don't can't. Know. Collect all these records, you know. <laughs> I tell you who wrote that, Jeff Perry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeff oh, wow. Perry wrote that track. And, you know, Brunswick Records, another label, you know, as we found out um, famously, uh, never paid anybody. Yeah. <laughs> never yeah. even paid Jackie Wilson. I mean, they, they made sure he got hotels and, and cars to go around in. But, uh, again, you know, there's a, there is a brilliant documentary uh, about that label, and such a shame. But um, Walter Jackson, who came into my life through uh, Mr Keith Mitchell, who came running along the road with his discotron and then shoved in where have all the flowers gone and proceeded to play it in the Snogginow pub about five times on the trot, <laughs> by which time I already didn't like the record. But <laughs> Walter Jackson, hell of a voice, and some fantastic stuff in the early 80s on, on albums as yeah, well. I mean, yeah. on Columbia, I mean, Brilliant, um, you know that was still you know still featuring in in, in live sets. Um, so we've we've yeah. touched on all Brighton. So all, Bri um, all Brighton we've, finished. We've, we've done some of the the American trips and some of the stories. There. Any more American stories? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, what happened was um, I was still DJing all this time, so I'll be doing guest spots all over the place. And I was you know not married, never any kids, so I'll be I'll be doing guest spots all over the place. You know, whenever I was asked. Um, did you, you did Loughton as well. <laughs> yeah, you reminded me about that, yeah. I can't remember it, but if no, you say no, so. No, no. Uh, no, it was, just, it was just one of them things because Barry, Barry, I was stood there at the back. With you want to say you want to tell everyone, don't you? On air? No, no, not that, <laughs> not that bit. No, I was stood at the back with you know, all the all the loud and heavies, you know, all and, and used to make what used to make me laugh is that, you know all these guys, soul collectors, you know the soul collectors. Well, they've all got a bag. They've all been to the record bar, but yeah, you know, they don't want you to look in the bag because in that bag is a load of twelve inch. <laughs> 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 cool, you know, because they got that that bug that you don't want to miss anything, no. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, Loughton was another place that... Yeah, it you know, was ...gave great, people yeah. the opportunity to, you know, I mean, I mean, still, I mean, to, you know, Barry was very upset to lose the venue because, I mean, he built up a fantastic reputation oh, yeah. there in the Northern and the Second Room. I, I played the Second Room many times and yeah, uh, it was a, yeah, fantastic set of people, fantastic um, venue. But let's go back, yeah, let's yeah, go back so, to the American. So 2004, trip. I took um, three months off work, career break, and uh, I went to the States for three months, uh, me and my old mate Stu, who's not really on the scene, but he knows a record. And uh, we went to the States for three months with, uh, and just basically travelled around 24,000 miles we did. Uh, we went around the whole country. 
just looking for records. Yeah, just looking for records every day. We had the odd day off or day travelling, but we basically just did records. And then we found that much stuff, and we were shipping stuff back as well. But um, when I came back, got that many records, and uh, I just that's a, I kind of became a record dealer overnight. So I thought I can't okay. just sell these at an ITER. I need to set up a business, and so so I did that for. So what, what year is this? 2004. Okay. And so that's when you set up Midas that's Touch Records? That's when I set up Midas Touch Records, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I still worked, still had a regular job, but that was kind of just a second, you know, just a, a way to get rid of the records and sell the records. But it was all legit, you know. I registered the business and everything, you know. So <laughs> um, uh, so I had two jobs for a, for a, a time. But um, I used to, obviously there was no, in, there's no uh, website then. It was just a list, monthly list. I send lists out on, the, on uh, email. But there was no website. Uh, it was good, you know. And, so were you still working? Or was still working, it, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. still working. Yeah, so that was the good. And then I was still going to the States with Shifty and we were still doing that twice a year. So that was, the, that was a, a, good, uh, a good time. So, from there, Dabasol, what, so, so when did that start? Dabasol started 2010. Was it eight? Okay. 2008. And, 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 and you were just telling me off air, you, I mean, you do a weekly show, which goes yeah, up on Mixcloud, well, is it, yeah? Well, the radio the radio show started into, that started after. That started yeah. when Alex was born, so <laughs> that'd be 14 year, 15 years ago. 15 years now. This, this month, I think. Yeah, so the show's 15, uh, uh, 2009, and this Dabasol event would have been 2008. Yeah. So, okay. So the, the story with that was there was a local soul night at the Civic where you've just mentioned, great venue, and there was an upstairs room. Yeah, yeah, and, I went uh, up there a few times. I yeah, played there we, once, we, yeah. We, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we approached the guy that was running it and said, you know, do you fancy do you fancy us running the upstairs room? So he agreed, and we did that for a couple of years, and he finished with the Civic. At one stage, we were going to set the whole thing on, weren't we? We didn't really want yeah. to, but we, we looked at it. Um, and then um, we moved to the Crown, we got Friday nights on the Crown, which was difficult because all our people were travelling. The Crown, of course, is in Nantwich, yeah. Yeah, sorry, the Crown Hotel right in the middle of Nantwich. Good. It, well, it's 1542 it was built. Yeah. So, it's an old building. It's, um, nearly, it's nearly four o'clock, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, we did Friday nights there, moderately successful, and then it was Dave's birthday. We had a big event on a Saturday, and we got loads of people in, and yep. then he, he came over and said, oh, do you want to have Saturdays from now on, lads? And we str still struggled for a couple of years, being inconsistent, didn't we? And then yeah, it was up and it was up and down, but it, it, it was still it was a lot better than getting twenty and twenty-five. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a Friday night. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only comment I got was that it was, it was tough acoustically in that room. Yeah, really it? was. It was, it was yeah. tough acoustically. Yeah. I, 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 I think I was sitting with Arthur Fenn, and um, I think you had a German guest DJ on the night yeah, I was Matt, there. Matt, yeah, Matt. Fox, and yeah. Um, you know, Arthur's turning to me and asking me what the records are, and I'm saying so, he's. He says I know it, but I can't. I can't decipher yeah. it in here. It was. A you know what we had? The, the we got there when it was empty. Set it all up. Signed the business. We even yeah, looked yeah. into there. So we tried everything to get that. In the end, we got Barry Malidi to put the sound in and said, "Barry, come and put this." Even Barry couldn't figure it out. No, no. It, it, yeah, Barry, Barry did mention that too. It me, was yeah, a high yeah. ceiling and mirrors and uh, windows all around the building. Yeah, very difficult. Just, it was very just difficult. Impossible. In fact, you know when it signed the best, the last night we ever had. I said, uh, Barry was busy, so I said, tell you what, I said, we'll just put our own equipment in, and what it'll be, will be, it's the last night, it doesn't matter, we put the equipment in, everyone's coming great. up, hey, sounds good tonight, what are you doing? What are you, doing? <laughs> you can't win. We just used our own stuff, win. didn't we? We're going to play some more music, and then we'll get back to the chat. We are... I'll give you just a little more time. time. 
maybe then you've made up your mind. Just a little more time. time Maybe then you'll say that you're
stick another record on that deck or else the next bit's going to be totally silent. Um, 14 minutes after 11, we're now in the final quarter, as they were saying, the NFL football. And uh, yes, Brian, I think 24,000 miles, what Edwin Starr, he added one on and... Uh, took the notes off um, good evening to Tess Kelly I'm glad you're enjoying the show sir Tess of course uh, local soul boy right back to the early days uh, Torch etc and uh, well Bally High down in Tiffany's and um, also very good at replacing my radiators in the house which is, thank you very much Tess came out of retirement for that one um, but three more brilliant records and as you're saying uh, Gary and Brian uh, but we kicked off there uh, well, the first one we played, was it Cal Green? Yeah, Cal Green on Filmways, yeah, West Coast. And we're very much in Dabba Soul territory now. You, we've always yeah. said Dabba Soul radio show is weekly, and what day does that happen? Uh, Monday, uh, 8 till 10. On? Uh, this, this is the cat.com. Okay, this is the cat.com. So this is the cat.com, isn't it? Oh, it's on Alexa. If, changed, or if you say it on Alexa, it's 107.9. 107.9 on Alexa, and, and you can listen again on Mixed 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 goes up yeah. when, Wednesday afternoon that goes up And on the links are on both Dave Lucas and... Uh, on my page. On and your page as well. Through, uh, Chris Anderson or Dave Lucas, you can find the links to that. Uh, and that, 12 years, you must have some incredible amounts of music up there. Yeah. And uh, an incredible response, which, you know, some of which you've seen in the chat room tonight. But um, I can't tell you, I think that you're definitely... Uh, you should pat yourselves on the back for, for Dabba Soul and certainly for, for Old Brighton and, um, you know, all the way back to, uh, what was the first one? Brett yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think these, these places are crucial and the reason that this, you know, still got so much interest and so much of a fantastic following. So, Carl Green started us off. We then went on to uh, Billy Kent. Billy Kent, yeah, on Expo Records. On Expo, yeah. uh, Origins of that. Chicago, I think. No, uh, the origins of which oh, plays in the UK. Oh, um, uh, I think I wouldn't know where it was played. I mean, I mean, I know Brian's got a copy. Brian Pinches. I yeah. know they played it at the Horse and Green, but we played that Dab of Soul. In fact, all Brighton days. I've had that record a long time. All Brighton days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but very much. It, I mean, it's almost too slow to dance to. But, mm -hmm. but certain places you can get away with it at certain where, times. Where you've got older clientele who, who can't dance anyway. Yeah, all of us, yeah. And as Brian says, I have to lean on the bar. <laughs> um, Stranger at my door, the Fuller Brothers. Yeah. Yep. A little bit different than Times Are Wasting. Yeah, yeah, just a bit, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. sounding very, very good Fantastic indeed. Record. So, you were at the Crown in Nantwich with, uh, with the Dabba Soul Nights. Yeah, That yep. moved from, what was it, one night to the Saturday nights. Then you're out of there. When you were out of there, what year was that? Last year. That was yeah. last year. Yeah, a bit like okay. Bretby, where we'd done it for years and years. It was successful. Uh, everyone enjoyed it. And then we just said, you know what? People people just don't know what's involved with running a night. And, you know, my, my heart wasn't in it. Dave was a little bit different. But we talked about knocking it on the air for a while. And then things just came to a head. And we just said, you know what? We've had enough. Well, I said, I've had enough. It always seemed to affect everything. I remember, I've got young kids. It seems to affect everything I've got to do with them. It seemed to affect when I could book a holiday. Even though it was only four a year, it really sort of impacted... Oh, my lad plays football, nine o'clock Sunday morning, so... And you play table tennis. Table tennis, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you'd be getting home from Davitt, you know, umping the gear up and down the stairs. It's just, you know, again, a bit like Brebby, we've done our bit. And uh, the weekend... I, th I think, you know, that side of it, people don't see. I mean, no. I mean, I go back all the way to one, one of the DJs I, sp I spent some time with um, when I went to Manchester in 78 was John Grant. And uh, 
uh, yeah, somebody said, you need to come and see him, you, you want to work with him, and uh, he, he was playing at the Painted Wagon just around the corner from Spinning Records in Manchester, and he came in on his own, and he humped all the gear, and he built it all up, then he DJed all night, then he took it all down, then he went outside, and he came and sat by me, and Kev says, what do you think? I said, start Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. That, then with all the jobs I'd moved on from even then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're doing it yourselves, and you, it, it is, it isn't just the four to five hours, six hours that you're open. It's the preparation, it's the time you leave, and you're going to get home at four or four, yeah. five o'clock we'll in the We'll be there morning, at five o'clock in the afternoon, won't we, set up? Yeah. And then, we have something to eat. It, it is a massive undertaking, oh. I think some people miss it. And I think, so, don't get me wrong, I think some people are made to do it, like you say, that guy, and other people don't seem to bother it. Absolutely. But, but it just impacted, and it, and it was, you know, we still had a good crowd, and I felt for the people that, oh, please don't give it up, and I said, well, you run it. Oh, no, I can't run it. I said, well, I, I can't run it anymore. I've done, <laughs> so we've you, done so you moved from the Crown, so what happens then? No, no, we moved, we finished the Crown, we just finished the whole yeah, nights, but we still do, totally we still do the um, uh, Weekender. Um, in this is London, London now. So uh, uh, how, did, how did that come about? I mean, uh, we went to a weekend there in I think about two thousand and four, something like that, and then uh, very successful. They did a couple. Um, myself and Dave often talked about let's do a Dabasol weekend, but we could never find the hotel. Yeah, yeah. And I used to take the kids. Well, you to tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, and, I understand and, um, that side of it. Well, Twelve well, years of vibe, and I'm still looking for a hotel since COVID because they're all full of uh, refugees. Yeah, well, this oh, was three was major venues. Yeah. yeah, so we we could never actually find the hotel that had that event back then. And one day, I walked further down the front, found it, went in there, booked it, and we did a weekend. And it was, you know, people. It's moved on since then. We've had two or three different hotels, but the hotel we've got now, the county, they're totally ghettos. The people in there, the manager is fantastic, and all the staff are fantastic. But the biggest thing, and, and the DJs, obviously, we have Steve Plum and Matt Fox, who are, yep. you know. Steve Plummer and Matt, the two of the best DJs you could, you, you know, you say, you hear this thing on Match of the Day, if you could have one guy to take a penalty for you, well, for me, if you could have one guy to fill a dance floor for you, it would yeah. be Steve Plummer. Yeah, you know. Steve's, Steve, Steve's, Steve's done a fantastic job of, uh, yeah, uh, of he really uh, is. adapting from, from collecting to DJing, he's yeah. done a fantastic job. Uh, and Matt, not far behind him, he's a great guy, he comes over from gym. Then we have different guests on, and the formula just seems to work, and then we have, in the daytime, collector spots, so there's guys, you know, who are just collectors or part-time DJs, whatever, who do spots and... But are you attracting people? I mean, Kev Oxby was in chat room tonight. I mean, Kev's now moved down on, on the south coast in Bournemouth, but he still comes up there and, and yeah. loves it. Absolutely but it sells out. It. We put it on sale. It sells out in three, four minutes. Yeah. Every, yeah. And it's yeah. 225 people, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, but, but the big thing about that, I was going to say, people come now with the expectation. They come with... A, they're up for it from the moment they come through the door. You yeah. can't really go wrong. You know, yeah. I said to Dave, yeah. I said, you get a load yeah, of great well, music. I, I, I mean, I've lost five now, but I mean, 12 years of that, and we would sell out in about an hour on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah. The whole hotel would be gone and, and advance tickets going quickly. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, that that kind of achievement is fantastic. So that that is nice to go back to, though. I know you said you got to a mental situation with, with, with the crown, but it, it's still... You know, when it is happening, then that positivity comes back Oh, in. that's great. Yeah, that's that's a lot less hassle than the crown. And that's once a year? Once a year, yeah. And what, what, what's that? Uh, November. November, yeah. November yeah, so when, when it's nice and warm. 8th and 10th. <laughs> yeah, but it worked. We've never had... 
Any bad weather? No, it's it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. People walking around in November in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, we never had we never had a bad bad weather. When I was a kid, you had two choices for holiday: either went to Blackpool or or London. London, I always pick Blackpool, please. (laughs) But as you get older, then you realise. I mean, me and the wife have popped over there a few times the last few summers. Fantastic place. It is lovely, yeah. And and a great place to be for the weekend, listening to uh, brilliant soul music, which you've heard tonight. My very special guests, Mr. Chris Anderton and Dava Soul, and in the background, of course, his dad, Dave Lucas. Have you forgot your...
baby was just someone to talk to, honey. Would you believe an easy place just to make my problems down? You've got to understand me, girl. Baby, forever I could stay. 
stay wrapped up in your loving arms. Yeah, giving you all I have and sharing in your many charms. Baby, you hold the key to my everlasting happiness. And I want to stay just like this for the rest of my life. I'll make a vow right here now. Oh, baby, I'm gonna be true. Oh, yes, I will. Oh, and forevermore, I'll just adore. Explosions, and I'm 
bursting out in all directions. I'm reaching for the sky. I need you, darling. More and more with every minute that goes by. Hey, girl, I couldn't let you go. Not even if I try. Billy Davidson in Scotland because he always had this in his box and always played tracks from it at the Southport weekenders the very early ones at Caligran and uh, definitely still sounding absolutely incredible tonight uh, but we kicked off there with Nathan Williams reaching higher yeah uh, Detroit uh, the other side it's uh, what price what it's price what yeah sorry yeah, yeah. and uh, then uh, you know, flipped over a track that I used to play at Blackpool Mecca of course uh, if you want a love affair Jesse James and then the other side I never meant to love her incredible incredible record yeah um I've got to say, you know, and, and Brian's picked up on times of wasting, so, you know, but if I'd have played the Fuller Brothers <laughs> that we got tonight at the Torch, I'd have probably been lucky to still be standing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And Jesse James, I, I, you know, I've you got to be honest to say, but I couldn't have played that side of the Mecca. I did play the other side of the Mecca at the time. A lot of things are about the time, but um, still incredible music. And then we finished up with uh, what is a brilliant album, the Alvin Stone album, Fantastic Four. If you've not got that, then you need to get yourself on Discogs. Have you got one in it? I just touched uh, I haven't touched it, no. Yeah, no, no, no he, he hasn't got one, so he's got to go back to America, Dave, and get some <laughs> copies of, of Alvin Stone. Um, yeah, these, so, these tracks are just kind of typically what we play on the radio show yeah. and um, uh, Dab of Soul and, you know, the event or the chill-out room at the event, but these are they're not... I won't expect anyone to dance to these, but they're just great records that we just I, play on the show. I don't think anybody wants to dance now, but it's tired, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think what it does it does reflect is 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 you know the standard that you've got, and and you've, you've already talked about the weekender there, and you're feeling very comfortable with that because you've got the right people coming for the right reasons, and uh, you know Kemox just just an example. You've just said a six hundred mile round trip, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, I, I mean, like you say about the right people, sometimes. People contact, contact me and say, "Can I come to the weekend? Uh, lads, book for the weekend." Uh, and because we have a waiting list, and I, and I'll, first thing I say, if I don't know the name, I'll say, "You know, it's not Northern." And yeah. they'll say, "Oh, uh, most of them say, yeah, yeah, we know what it is. It's fine. We we, we know people that come. We want to come." I say, "Okay, cool." But a couple of people said, "Oh, it's not." So no, it's not Northern. So don't expect to come and hear the classics. But if you want to come and hear something different, and some people have said, "Oh no, it's okay. We thought it was Northern, but we'd rather not have them there." No, you yeah, know, I think that's right. They're not people that right. are unhappy yeah, or coming that's and right. say, "I think that's absolutely right." You know, yeah. place them up. We know or whatever. You know, it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I've experienced that with with my own promotions where you get people who, who think it's going to be this and then it isn't, and yeah, we're giving the money back. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's that simple. You know, you you haven't enjoyed it or you don't. You, you know, this isn't what you expected. You know, the leaflet's quite clear of what we yeah. do. So um, I mean, but yes, but also you. Know, the gain factor from that is that people will come along who, who don't really know what to expect but still enjoy it and then you, you know then you've got 
Yeah. More regular And a lot of the crowd, the the, you know, the old Brighton crowd, the old Bretby crowd, it's people that listen to the radio show and then come to the week. You know, it all, it all feeds in, but they're, they're a great bunch. And I, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone from, uh, well, everyone that's been on the forum tonight, but the, the Jabasol people have made, that, have made that uh, made that a really uh, busy forum tonight. So thanks, guys. Really appreciate your support. No, well, I think I think your support's deserved, and it reflects the you know the kind of music that you're playing, and 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 the kind of ad- attitude that you generate, you know, with, within the gigs. And um, you're great to see Dave back on form. I mean, Dave, you know, he'd, he'd been reduced to just being a driver at one point, and <laughs> getting frustrated. So you yeah. know, to, to to hook up with yourself and and yeah, I've been and be able to him, you know, what's we're, we're over the last ten odd years. It's absolutely yeah, fantastic. We're a good partnership, aren't we, mate? We yeah, do all right together. We do all right. Live in a, a, you know, a parallel universe, and, 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 and you've got my own thing. But I, I'm very pleased that this, you know, this has kind of happened for yourself and for Dave. Because yeah. I mean, you know, what we've heard tonight uh, is any kind of reflection. You've got 12 years of, uh, or, or more of, of radio shows that people can listen to. Certainly, a percentage of those on. on yeah, I think they're all on there. They're all and, on well, there, yeah. <laughs> which, which, which is a statement within itself, isn't it? Mm. And uh, so, back to America, maybe this year. Yeah, well, I'm going back. I'm just booking a holiday, so I'm definitely going back with the family. Uh, maybe I'll get back for a record show. Who knows? Who knows? But it's, well, as you, you know, say, you've got plenty of stock. My, my just touch record, you're online with that now. You've yeah. got your own website. Uh, yeah, I was going to say as well, but I just looked at my notes uh, that I made. Um, 2012, I launched the website, and I went full-time being a record dealer. Obviously, that coincided with me bringing my kids up. So um, my wife's got a career. She's got the job. So she goes out to work every day. Right. I mess about with records, as she says, but I make sure the kids get dressed and get out of the house <laughs> and have porridge and, and <laughs> take them to all the clubs and netball and table tennis and yeah, football yeah. and everything else. So yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've been really lucky and it's been... So re- you've become a housewife? Yeah, yeah, if you yeah, like, yeah, house husband, yeah, I'll call it what you will. It's better than getting up at uh, six o'clock. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% to go to, behind that, to yeah. Go to work. yeah. But yeah, I've been really lucky that it's given me this um, time with the kids and to see them, I mean, the 14, 12 and 14 now. So uh, you know they're getting they're getting bigger. So. And and the website does well. Do you know I mean? Website takes over nicely. Yeah, yeah. Good records at a fair price. Always sell, don't they? So. Well, yeah, I'm ready to sell. I bought I bought something off you. Yeah. This one's going out for Pat Lee's Dale. I got any money. Yeah, Pat Lee's Dale. This one, uh, Paul Burton.
suddenly they all stop talking There's something funny going on You tell me there's a friend in the corner I turn to ask you who but you are gone And suddenly Something funny going on Conversation stop when I get near to anyone Why the phony smile when I get near to anyone What is there to know that's so so clear to everyone To everyone but me trying to go to bed and then another record comes on that's better than the other road and, and, and that's been the case all night I think the music has been played tonight has been absolutely exceptional absolutely fantastic um, really enjoyed it um, next week of course John Manship uh, is going to be in that seat and we'll see what stick I can give him um, <laughs> but you know I have to say I really really enjoyed it Paul Burton kicked us off with So Very Hard to Make It and uh, Brian Pinches uh, points out what a great record that is Brian of course is saying that the torch was just after World War 2 that's why there's a conflict of the torch wasn't after World War 2 Brian the torch was World War 2 for 13 months of all nighters that was actually World War 2 um, Black and Blue followed that with a brilliant tune called Of All the Hearts to Break and uh, he's put one up is that a white label he's got there, waving it about and uh, Samuel Lee Wright finishes off with an incredible record called There's Something Funny Going On well there's nothing funny going on here if you like soul music it's been absolutely brilliant you'll be able to listen again to the show as I say by Monday at the latest uh, that'll be up on my pod site and you can connect uh, on, on Facebook and back here on Sunday with Jazz Dance and Fusion and uh, that starts at 2 o'clock till 5 o'clock each and every Sunday on Hitmix Radio 107.5 FM we've got 
about eight, nine minutes, so uh, we'll keep on playing music, because that's what we're doing tonight. Um, have you got anything else to say? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just thank you for everyone for listening. Really, uh, really appreciate it. I think it's been brilliant tonight. I think Brian and his and his magical uh, labels have been added yeah, to yeah, added to the colour, added job, to Brian. the ambience. Everybody has been in there. Thank you very much for yeah, thanks, uh, supporting guys. tonight. It. And thank you to you, Colin, for inviting us over as well. No, really, it's been absolutely brilliant. brilliant. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I, I thought I was knackered, but <laughs> apparently I'm not. I'm only seventy-two. after World War II. An annoyance.
fantastic tonight download is going to be up there on monday and um you can share that link anywhere yeah, sure, you want yeah well thank Don't you colin really around. enjoyed it yeah. no yeah. been absolutely fantastic brilliant fantastic well. choices and uh, as i say you know brett b all brighton and dabasol pat yourselves on the back guys because i think what, what we've heard tonight uh, is testament to what you've achieved Say back in here Sunday, two o'clock, Jazz Dance and Fusion with Colin Curtis. Thanks to everyone. So many people just ain't enough room. But I 